Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, a podcast about gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Anthony. This is Dan. This is Kim. Hey, this is Chris. Right, welcome to episode 23. This week we are going to review the hot new game, Battle Lore 2nd Edition. We've gotten this table a few times. It's honestly one of my favorite new games in the last few months. And uh, You're ruining the review already! Hey, we're on a streak. The last few episodes, I mean... None of that, but it's in Taranoth. I mean... Yeah. It can't be bad. We spent the last two podcasts saying how much we would like it, so it would just be a letdown. <laughs> yeah, but it we... could be a it could be a twist. He's twist. He's twist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So spoiler, it's awesome. But we can listen to our full review at the end of the podcast. It's uh, it's legitimate, legitimately an awesome game. Um, I don't consider myself a huge war gamer, and this one is really scratches that itch. But we also got a few other awesome games: uh, boss monster, boss monster expansion, uh, pixel tactics. Kim's been playing the heck out of Pathfinder card game. Oh, yeah. It's not my new favorite after Terra Mystica. I can't pick. It's like, Dan will be like, what do you want to bring to Myriad? It's like, Terra Mystica and Pathfinder. And whoever wants to play, we'll play. We need to borrow Drew and make a mashup. Yeah. (laughs) You could go adventuring in Terra Mystica. Terra Finder. Terra Finder. (laughs) O-R-R-O-R. Terra. Terra. (laughs) Or with Drew, it would be like, Path ticket to ride finder. <laughs> you gotta throw a risk in there. You gotta throw a, yeah, a risky. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. risk finder. I like it. Terra Mystica on a world map. That'd be kind of interesting. That would be cool. Yeah. Change Brazil into a swamp. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's that's uh, where we're at today. We got some news, of course. Um, I don't know if we've actually talked about this yet, but we are going to be at PAX in April. We have not talked about that. People should know. They should know, because if you're in the Boston area, if you're going to be at PAX, we're going to be there. Um, This is PAX East, right? PAX East, yeah. 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 And I mean, like, PAX usually, like, uh, it's a huge video game expo. People have always had that connotation for years, but the guys that run Penny Arcade are huge RPGers. They have their own podcast about playing D&D sessions. Wizards of the Coast has a tremendous presence by previewing D&D Next. They had magic tournaments left and right. And there was hundreds of tables of tabletop game going on when we were there. That's where we got our first taste of, like, painting miniatures. There was giveaways and promos of things. People were teaching games left and right. That's where we stumbled across Kanzmay for the first time, which 
I mean, still is an amazing deck builder mechanic. Like, who would have ever thought? You bought this, now you get to use it. You don't have to wait. <laughs> you know, it's like like people criticize the art, but the game is phenomenal. Sure. You know, and I mean, like Plaid Hat is going to be there this year. We're looking around, like you know, dice vendors. This, you'll find indie RPGs galore. There's a huge tabletop presence. So sure. And if you're going to be in the area, we're going to probably talk about a little bit later or in the next couple podcasts about maybe even setting up a game, running a game at the event, or just maybe getting together. So um, if you're one of our listeners out there, come down, find us. We'd love to play a game with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this will be our first official convention as BGA. So, you know, we're making it up as we go. But we definitely want to hang out with you if you listen to the podcast and are in the area. So, And, I mean, if you want to grow the ever, like, join that ever-growing list of people that have destroyed me in Lords of Waterdeep, you know. Because, I mean, the list is pretty big. You might want to get on it. It's a pretty prestigious title. You know, Terra Mystica, you know, we can uh, get some games of that going. We're going to be bringing a few of our favorites because it's a great chance to just break out that game that you may not get it out at your local game store. You will be able to there. Yeah, I guess we got the time for it. So yeah, in the next few weeks, you know, if any plans come together, if we have a time in mind, we'll uh, we'll announce it here, and then hopefully you can meet us there. Yeah, but l- definitely let us know if you're going to be at PAX or you're, gonna, you're in that area. So this way we can kind of pull something together to meet all of you out there. Yeah, we will be gaming, but we also would like to game with you. All right. Um, other news, obviously, we got tournaments here at Myriad Games, which is just off the hook lately. I know that you guys have been playing Mage Wars left, right, and sideways. Yeah, uh, I mean, what week are we on? Like four? We're going into week four, and uh, we'll talk a little more about like how this setup is going on when we talk about local game shops. But this has been one of the biggest growing tournaments I've seen in a long time. It started out with like sixteen people. We had one or two drops, so you know you kind of you wonder if it'll only be like eight people at the end. We picked up six more people playing this over the last three weeks. Yep. I mean, it's one of the games that are actually flying off the shelf left and right. Every time we get more expansions in, new books in, people snatch them up left and right. Yeah, I mean, since the store opened, there have been a lot of tournaments. Some of them have been better than others. But this one has really seemed like people, not only has it been, you know, running really well, but everybody seems to be enjoying it. Nobody's like, man, I got destroyed again, but I got to play next week because I'm already invested. Everybody's, like, really excited to keep playing. So Yeah, Nick, uh, one of our friends from the Stand on Board Game, has done an outstanding job pulling this together because... It's an enormous task to be able to pull this level of complexity and this number of people in, and it's just hitting out of the park. And, I mean, that's the beauty. Like, he loves the game, and, I mean, it shows. Like, he, sure. he makes it interesting. He has found variants. He's been in touch with our, uh, Arcane Wonders left and right about, you know, ideas for things and structure, and they're communicating with him, like, every day. It's great. So that's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, it's fun is, to watch. Is there still a chance to get in on that? If people oh, are yeah, interested? and that's the other thing, too. They have teaching games all the time. So if people want to play it, they can just go down, learn to play, start joining in on that week, because it's an ongoing tournament. It's a 10-week tournament. Every week you have an option of prizes, and you can even get a prize for losing, because besides winning the game, you know, which is always a goal, there's actually a sub-objective. So you may not win the game, but if you really want that promo, you can be like, all right, you're going to kill me, but now I'm just chucking out fireballs left and right, so this, like, I'm the one that does the most fire damage, and you can still win a prize. Like, it's nice to know that you don't have to win to walk home with something. Sure. As opposed to normal tournaments where, in round two, if you get crushed, you just start weeping and, <laughs> I'm never going to have that many ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> you're going on eBay in the middle of the tournament. Yeah, yeah, you attack. That's great. I'm trying to find out how much I can buy that guy for. <laughs> <laughs> I came in here expecting to get it. I'm not going to get it here. <laughs> Guess I'm going to Brooklyn to pay the Friday night tourney. You know, like all sad. <laughs> 
that's awesome. Uh, uh, what do we got? Week or month six of uh, Attack Wing? Too, yes. Right? So this is the final month for Star Trek Attack Wing Dominion Wars, and this is really the kind of big week everyone's been waiting for. Um, it's a little deviation from the actual storyline of the show, but this is once again a, like the final battle of Deep Space Nine. And the participation prize is these little um, Federation fighters. It's actually three little fighters that kind of act as one ship or one fleet. That's cool. And yeah, and they had a Kardashian Kardashian version of this. Oh, no, um, I know. <laughs> no. It, was it was talentless, and it's uh, true. It got naked in a video, and well, it takes a lot of hits. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's mainly what's there. If you it from the back, it does not. <laughs> I, I want to say basically it's, that's what it's there for, but yeah. it's it's fun. It's fun, kind of true. Our friend Andrew Parks, I guess he's a big fan of the show. So, um, so so beyond the participation prize, which is great because these are you know you get to play a game like Dan was talking about, just sitting down and playing the game and jumping into the tournament, you get a great ship, and and supposedly these ships will not be produced for sale later on. So this is just a great time to come to Myriad jump in on Star Trek Attack Wing. I'm always there. I'm willing to teach anybody who's interested. It's a really easy and fun type of game because if you're looking to get into miniature wargaming in some way, this is simple. It's got the printed out templates. You kind of, it's all set up for you. Um, it has any level of complexity you want to get into and you don't need to know about the universe in order to play. Now, quick question because uh, I know it's a WizKids tourney. Like I know with Heroclix at the end of the six month thing, there's usually like the outrageous prize. Yeah, that's and that's the big part to this. So beyond the Federation fighters, and there's a, I think there's, there's a Bajoran ship that that's like the prize for that week. It also all wraps up in the six month final prize, which is this huge Deep Space Nine model. That's that's something like two feet, you know, round. It's a big round piece that you can actually use in play. Because up to this point, they've been giving you like these cardboard templates. It'll actually be this huge figure that you can that you can play with, and the way WizKids had it sh- set up was, if you won enough points, whoever had the most points at the end of six months, yeah, got it. We were playing a little bit differently, so we're gonna play a final match for it and kind of let everybody in. So, like I said, still have a chance to win the big prize if you're interested. Yeah, because like for Fear itself, they had like um they had that giant dragon for Fear itself. I know for the end of the Avengers vs X Men, it's this. Huge Phoenix Cyclops figure. Sure, that it's crazy. looks Yoink. unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's that's why. Like I've been, you know, normally like, I I just try out fun teams and silly teams, but for this Avengers vs X Men thing, I'm like, this guy is good. I'm using this guy. Yeah, like sure. that Cyclops thing looks awesome. <laughs> so the Star Trek Attack Wing will be March 22nd, and new players are welcome. And we're actually also running an OP for um, Star Wars. Miniatures, the X-Wing oh, cool. Miniatures, and that will be on March 15th, and that's just a new thing at Myriad Games in Staten Island, so if you've always wanted to get into X-Wing Miniatures, this would be a great time, because we're just kind of playing for fun, learning, but everyone will get prizes. You get a kit for that? There is, there was some promos okay. that we're kind of putting together, and that's what's going to be given up as, as prizes. I think um, it's those plexiglass targets and, and, and focus... And there's also these cards for the Millennium Falcon that are like the variants. So it's these really large Millennium Falcon cards. Mm. So. Tempted. See, that's the problem. Like, Fantasy Flight makes such better models, but they don't have the kits that Wiz Kids does. That's like, true. I know they run the tournaments, and I'm just like, eh, the prizes are meh. Yeah. I mean, they have like tournaments, national stuff. I don't know. 
I will give you five dollars to show up to both tournaments with the wrong type of game <laughs> <laughs> and just start setting up like it's flame no wars. <laughs> you can't mix the things. <laughs> <laughs> I use my Dark Vader on your Enterprise and shit your Dumbledore. <laughs> what? Be like the Lego movie. It's true. I'll, I'll even give you the, the Bishop Hero Clicks just to put on the board. <laughs> no, he's piloting this. It's cool. I kind of want to do the X-Wing, but I'm, I'm almost certain Sean will just obliterate everybody. We'll have to give Sean a handicap. I don't yeah. even understand how you're almost certain. You should be yeah, yeah. definitely certain. Like, Sean, can I borrow all your best guys and you can't use them, please? <laughs> I'm going to buy more guys. And then the, I guess the final tournament will be um, we're wrapping up our Roll Through the Ages February tournament for Stand On Board Gamers. So this, this final week of February will kind of catch us all here. So if you're literally in the listening area of Dan's house, please join us because this podcast will come out after the fact. Like the day before. All right, so the day before. So if you really just download, then run out and drive down here, that'd be awesome because we'd love to have you. And today is our coup tournament, right? Yes, today is also our coup tournament. So a couple of us picked up the Kickstarter, so we're actually, I think we're going to play again. Like a ten-person game of coup. Yeah. Wow! Yeah. So the next episode, we can note how many friendships were ruined permanently, <laughs> how many profanities were slung as somebody kicked a table on their way out. It sounds right. How What's many coup it? copies yeah. have been burned? Yeah. <laughs> right. Why not eliminate me? I mean, he has two guys up, but sure, let's kill me. Why not? I'm just, I guarantee we're gonna do that. We so should. It's gonna be nice. We should do a tournament bingo. <laughs> just be like check things off as yeah. they happen during the tournament. How many people flip out in this manner? <laughs> like make it a pool. Yeah. I expect four people to flip out in 17 minutes. I don't know, man. Coup's kind of fast. I'm putting it. On 15 minutes. You know, it's like one of those. It'll be great. How many storm outs? Five. How many tables flip? Three. <laughs> Don't you want to play ticket? No! No, I'm done! I'm out of here! That's awesome. So there's a lot more fun above and beyond the actual game itself, so definitely come on down. If I'm going to be watching with a bag of popcorn. <laughs> oh, fun times at Myriad. It's going to be good. Yeah. So yeah, lots of tournaments coming up. Uh, we're trying to get a couple other ones together too. We'll give you the news if, if and or when they come together. Yeah, we'll have a whole March kind of set up. Yeah, definitely. So, that's you gotta have stuff, man, because the, there's no uh, conventions or anything until the spring. So yeah, gotta I mean, keep it busy. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like that's one of the beauties of you know having like these like little side tournaments. You know, it's one thing to play the game here and there, but like when you play it competitively. Sometimes, like, people that wouldn't normally play, they start to see, like, oh, well, there's 12 people in it? Oh, all right, I guess I'll join. You know, you, you get to have, like, that mass day of a game. Like, yeah. Downside is sometimes, you know, after the tournament, you're like, all right, well, I'm sick of this game for the next six months. That's <laughs> <laughs> happened to me on multiple games. Those board game tournaments last summer, man. Wow. Tell I, you I don't think I've played King of Tokyo since. When's the last no. time you saw somebody playing Dixit? <laughs> <laughs> I've played that a couple times since. Yeah, but I'm saying at the store. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of people. I mean, originally, how many people do we have for Stone Board Gamers? Like, we had a ton of people playing that, and that was over what? The Dixit tournament had like 21. I think King of Tokyo had like 36 or something. Yeah, but that was like a chance to go to. Yeah, but I'm saying just the fact that. But it was part of the overall tournament, and then we did that for what? For six, seven months? Seven, yeah. Seven months. So. And I came in first, you came in second. Yeah. Yay, BGA! What? (laughs) We're the ones who kept showing up. And uh, and, uh, (laughs) Drew came in third. Yeah. And I think Brian came in fourth on that, so. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was fun. It was just yeah, it kind of petered out. It was it was hard to hold a tournament together that long. Yeah, with diverse games like that, it wasn't like a single. And, uh, 
there was that mini game tournament, which was like Ugh. pitch car. <laughs> no thanks. Us. Also known as <laughs> the dis- the disaster of, to remember. <laughs> pitch car, no thanks, and uh, where's my there's fish? There's my fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah was, where's my fish? That was so bad, dude. I won that tournament. <laughs> Did Don't you? ask me how. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but the nightmares. Was it worth the $8? <laughs> Sometimes like, when you win, you actually lose. Mm-hmm. Hey, I beat uh, I beat Paul uh, Girardi on uh, No Thanks, which was like, you beat the Uber guy at that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I'm trying to forget it, trying to forget it. <laughs> All right, so that's the news. Uh, next up, some of the acquisition disorders that are starting to kick up. We're getting to that time of year. It's going to start happening. Acquisition disorder corner. All right, so what games are on the radar, guys? What do we, what do we want? Card Wars. Adventure Time. What is this Card Wars you speak of? Yeah. I saw it on the, uh, I think we were talking on Monday. I was like, oh, I think it's on the App Store. You're like, going home, downloading yeah, it now. Yeah, that <laughs> night I downloaded it immediately. And uh, I made sure I flew to my pig when my opponent had his Cornhusker Knights. <laughs> and I also got to use my Mouth Bowl, which was awesome, and my Cerebral Bloodstorm. Basically, Card Wars, it's... An incredibly basic card game, you're going to have a couple of zones that have, like, types. Like, in Magic, you know, you play a plains or a, an island. In this, you have a strip that's, a you know, a cornfield or a strip that's a swamp or whatever. And then there's creatures that can go in those lanes. And some creatures can go in any of them. You have buildings that you can do. So you can, like, put down, like, uh, you know, like the celestial temple in the background. And that'll give you guys, like, more defense. And it's just basically like a slugfest back and forth, like low hit point, easy deck management, but just the cards are hysterical. And, you know, and they actually announced this was fantastic. Originally, it was going to be just Jake versus Finn. They already have the second deck coming out the same day, and it's going to be Lady Rainicorn versus Bemo. I saw that. That's great. Now, if you've never seen Adventure Time, you owe it to yourself to start watching Adventure Time because the show is hilarious. And BMO is the best. <laughs> I've never really quite got into it, but it does look... I mean, the little bit I've seen it was funny. Oh, um, it, and I know it's coming soon because they had it in New York. It yeah. Complete Strategist. It, it just released... I didn't store... know if you guys had already pre-ordered it, so I didn't want to oh, grab yeah. it, but yeah. Yeah. It's um, Not only did we pre-order it, we also got a copy coming in for our friend Paula because when we were in the store, we were playing um, Spartacus... And just like I was like, we might have to lighten the mood a little because like somebody just got murdered, somebody got betrayed. So I was playing an episode of Adventure Time on my phone, and from across the store I hear, "Yo, is that Adventure Time?" <laughs> and she started like dancing to the theme song because she loves the show so much. So I'm like, I think this is someone that'll like that game. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but it's also based. It's based on that uh, clip from the show, right? Yeah, it's the exact like in the show. You know, it's like uh, it was basically like spoofing on Magic. But, you know, like, uh, he's like, oh, I'm attacking with my Cornhusker Knights. And when uh, Jake is like, oh, well, I'm going to, I mean, uh, Finn is like, well, I'm going to floop the pig to block. And he just starts laughing. He's like, you're a noob. You don't floop to block. <laughs> and he's like, and then he's like, yeah, but it says here I can floop the pig to weaken your coordinates. He's like, wait, what? <laughs> and it was hilarious. Like, when I saw that episode, I was I, I was actually like, crying laughing. It was so good. That's great. You know, it's like, I was like, I've been there. I know that. <laughs> So it, you it's know, about as meta as you can get, though. Oh, it's a meta absolutely. show, and then they make the game out of the show, making fun of another game. <laughs> <laughs> and the show is just, oh my god, so good. But uh, just to know that, I mean, Cryptozoic is making it. You know, the Penny Arcade deck builder was good. They made the DC deck builder. I'd still love to see that second DC deck builder. I'm seeing ads in every magazine. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I want to use the lantern rings. <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, this thing is going to be awesome. And the fact that like, you're going to be able to actually customize your deck if you want. So it's 20 bucks to get the two decks. Mm-hmm. 
But say you actually genuinely start really liking this game, you can just pick up a second starter and then customize. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. That's cool. I look forward to playing it. Yeah, it's it's like a very financially manageable, you know, customizable card game. So I mean, that's going to be beyond fun. I can't wait for that thing. Awesome. I call dibs on BMO every game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my eye's been lately on the couple of these big collector's editions that are being announced. Uh, Ticket to Ride just announced, like Days of Wonder just announced the 10th anniversary edition of Ticket to Ride. Looks awesome. It's you know it's double the price of the normal base game, but it's like you get so much stuff. It's bigger. It's, it's a larger board. Bigger board. Different art, I think. Full size cards because the original still comes with those tiny, stupid. Fantasy Flight size cards, and you have to buy the expansion to make them bigger. Okay. So now it comes with the full size cards, uh, like individualized train cars. So everybody has their own. So now, like, it's actually colorblind friendly. And the trains cool. come in tins too. Like that's how you keep each player's train separate. It's not like trays. It's actually like a little tin of a train. That's awesome. You know, the storage is easy. Yeah. Yeah, it actually has. Uh, so it's like a whole, like almost a faction, right? There's like a circus train, and yeah. there's the coal train. So like, yeah. Yeah. well, they match the cards now, like because the cards have different trains on them for each mm-hmm. color, and now the colors that the players have will match those. And I like, and I think they said like a different art on the board, or something like that. It's got to be at least upgraded. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a bigger board, and, so probably. It's... Yeah, and I think they, didn't they say it comes with like one expansion, like 1916 or something? Well, the 1910 has 1910. the larger cars, and that's what they talked about having additional to this. Okay, cool. But it must also have the the new routes because when you mm. play the original game, you could just basically lose ticket to ride based upon not Which getting the good route routes. Pull, yeah. But the new version, the 1910. 1916 actually had the new routes to it, which kind of balanced things out a lot. I would imagine 1910 is in there because it's kind of it has like, to be. At this point, it's one of those things like if you buy a ticket to ride, you have to buy 1910. You, you need the bigger cards, you need the routes, you need the Vex for victory conditions. Sure. Um, and it's just, yeah. So, like, I've it's one of those games that I keep meaning to pick up and I haven't gotten around to it yet. I'll probably get this version. And Days of Wonder does such a great job with their games. The components are always amazing. I've never played a Days of Wonder game and just been like, eh, the components are always just outstanding. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. So I think that comes out. It says quarter two. I, I saw somewhere it said June. This is gonna be huge. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, like, I'm borderline whether I should pre-order because if it sells out, I'll be kind of annoyed. I think you should pre-order it. Yeah. Because I think it definitely is one of those games that it has such a huge following, and I'm guessing the game is not gonna cost a lot more than the original, but it's just a must-have if you're a fan of Ticket to Ride or if you haven't picked it up yet. I thought about picking it up too, just for my family because. It's such a, an easy, approachable game, and having the actual cars will actually make it more family-friendly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's definitely a game I know my family would like. So Maybe I'll just borrow yours. Yeah. <laughs> have it. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, we, we still have yet to play Ticket to Ride. I know, I can't imagine. And I'm like, I was thinking about pre-ordering it just because that'll be it. You know, like, once that's out, if you don't get in on that sweep, you may not see it again. Probably not. Yeah. yeah, and that was another game we played for the tournament, the Ticket to Ride. Yeah, that was a really that was a great game for a tournament because that was incredibly tense. Yeah, we kind of made fun of it a little bit at first, but then once we played it, it was like this is a good tournament game. This is a really good tournament game. Yeah. I mean, you really could block. I mean, indirectly or purposely, kind of block people out, and mm-hmm. you're, and we played what three rounds of that? I think was it two or three? It was, I think we played three rounds in a final. Yeah, and then like I pulled it out, but. It was by only like a couple of points, and like that, two. Yeah, it was really close. And that's what you really want to have. Yeah, you know, you really want to, because I remember at the end, I was like, "Can we count if I do this or that?" Because it's a matter of like two or three points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fun game. I play it on the iPad all the time. 
because you can get through a game in like eight minutes. Yeah. And there's all the achievements. Well, that was so. your well, that was your mistake because I I didn't play the game, so therefore I won. Well, yeah, that was that <laughs> like was any, it, actually like any tournament game. Just don't own it and you win. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's probably I'm probably gonna get that. That's it's not even like I want it. It's like probably gonna get it's it. gonna be it's gonna be bought by somebody. Yeah. And the one other thing that's kind of sweet too is um because I think like the MSRP on that's like a hundred bucks, right? Mm-hmm. Pre-order is like seventy bucks on a lot of online. Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons too. I'm thinking about it because yeah. the base game's fifty. Usually, it's forty online, so it's like an extra thirty for all that stuff. Eh, it's kind of worth it. Yeah, just like I mean, uh, like the other reason I was thinking too is like I said, we play a lot of games with my sister. Sure. The bigger board and stuff like that. The might bigger make board, little... the less abstract it is, and plus you don't have to buy the expansion because it's already in there. Yeah. Why not? And and the, the quality of the components just amazing. I feel like you might even get someone to be like, "Oh, you want to play again?" Oh uh, yeah, I'll play. I haven't used red yet, just because sure. something like that. Yeah, you know, they look different. Another it, excuse to go to the table. Another thing too, there's a great app for Ticket to Ride where you can kind of count the trains. Yeah, which that's usually kind of really when you see the board set up, you're like ah, but actually it's really simple with the app, and it actually makes the train sounds when you push the to, to count up the trains. So it's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, it's always a lot of fun. Hey, yeah. cool stuff. Put a pre-order in now, people. <laughs> yeah. Sell out. I know. Well, then I need another thirty bucks. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the other uh, big collector's edition, you just showed this to me yesterday, sure. is uh, Takedo's going to hit a Kickstarter soon, right? Yeah, so um, <laughs> just got you know really really grateful to get, actually, uh, Anthony got me Takedo for my birthday yesterday, and then I was like, oh, this is awesome, let me look into all the different components and things for FunForge, which is the company that produces it, and as I'm looking it up, they're like, oh, Takedo, oh, there's going to be an app, so that's pretty awesome. There's going to be a collector's edition. Get out of here. So actually, um, on February 26th, Takedo is releasing a um, collector's edition. It's going to have improved graphics, um, new character artwork, 16 ultra-detailed minis, and and I know Earl's. this is going to drive Earl nuts. It's going to have an exclusive soundtrack on CD for the game because Earl's, one of our friends at uh, Mirror Games, he always puts on some sort of Japanese kind of background music. So clearly they're stealing Earl's million-dollar ideas now. So they kind of expand as far as that's concerned. And it's going to have, and I know Dan's going to like this, 50 metal coins. Yeah, and they, uh, they look really, really nice. So check that out. It's going, to, it's going to kickstart February 26th. Pick up the online game. Take a look at the collector's edition. There's no details yet about how much it's going to cost. But it looks pretty good. And it's definitely worth painting, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if the price is not ridiculous, I'll probably get this. Sure. Um, if the price is ridiculous. Yeah, that's, that's uh, always a... You know, it's, it's still just a game. But, but, this is, <laughs> but this is also interesting too. I mean, we've seen this with a couple of games with like War of the Ring, that the games do so well that the companies are now just producing collector's editions for the game, which is amazing and interesting. It really, it really hits your acquisition to sort of really hard. I know, and it's hard because sometimes the collector's edition's out for like six months, it sells out, and you never see it again, and sometimes it's just permanently available. So you like you want to rush to get it, but you don't want to. It's true. Like, you don't want to step in that trap, and then yeah. you're paying. 50 bucks more than you really had to pay. Yeah, And they're not going to tell us. No. <laughs> Buy it. <laughs> well, Tokunako, we had that big wooden box version with the, you know, the panda's like four inches tall. Yeah. So that, they came out with that really quickly. I think maybe six months after the initial release. And that was passed around amongst a lot of uh, game reviewers. So. Yeah, I'm and you sh- can still get it, I think. Well, I'm sure they're going to be sent to us at some point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because we, we have to review it. So, you know, that awesome wooden box with the giant pieces. I, th- I think we need to review it. I think so. I think if anybody from that company is listening, they should send us again. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the idea of having to push together two tables to have enough room to play yeah, the game. Yeah, like some them. of these gigantic games. It's like 
bamboo that's actually kind of like bamboo you could actually use it yeah right. the pieces are so big you could kind of put it together all right so that's some of the cool stuff we're looking at um next up we're gonna look at some of the games we've been playing lately again two weeks so we got a ton of stuff in so what's at the table at the table this week all right guys what have we been playing lately well one thing we got to do is our first big game of terra mystica with five players yeah that was awesome yeah i mean um Having played the big game, I love that too. I don't think the two-player game is lesser, but the five-player game was awesome. It was cool just like trying to finagle like, all right, well, if I squeeze in this space and then I see you terraform something, I'm like, no, 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 I got to make sure I get that. Like, yeah, there's definitely more urgency, especially on the cult board. That was I saw a lot of too. urgency. It was like the cult board was crazy. Yeah. yeah, we were racing on that, and it was great seeing like power shifting. Like you know, like at one point somebody would be in the lead in the cult track. One full turn later, they're now in third place on the cult track, you know. And the towns became a lot more priority because you wanted to cinch that top spot. Yeah, like you, you know, it was one of the few times we saw people breaking the gates because you had to. Yeah, and those tokens too, like when you built the uh, the God's favor. Yeah, the God's favor tokens. Yeah. Those were like there was a couple times where I'm like, oh, I need this one, and someone else had already bought it. It was already empty. Yeah, in a two player game, that's not really going to happen as often. So. Yeah, and you're almost in a two player game. Like one people are going for the cult track, and the other one's doing for the terraforming. Everyone's kind of left alone. Like we're gonna see who's gonna race there. Here it was just like everything was in competition. Yeah, yeah. It's like more players is more competition. Single players like trying to refine technique, like finding out how to like really do what you can do most with that race. Yeah. So the game still offers tons, and um, we also we ordered two add-ons for ourselves. Um, we'll post in the show notes a link. I want to make sure I get it definitely right. There's these acrylic boards that go over the player boards. That'll hold all your pieces in place. Oh, cool. And then the top right is an adjustable snap-on piece. Because I don't know if you noticed, like the Hill Giants, it's always two to terraform. Yeah. So they don't have a track to go up. So they don't have that cutout for them. Likewise, the mermaids have five as the top seafaring. Because they start out with an initial one. So they have additional spaces for their seafaring track. So, I mean, it's really awesome that somebody put this work into this game. Yeah. You get five acrylic sheets for about 28 bucks. And then the other thing is, Board Game Geek recently just got the additional towns on their store. So I already ordered my copy, so I don't mind mentioning it, because at least I know mine will come in before they get sold out. But check that Board Game Geek store, because if you like this game, those additional towns are awesome. One of them has it where you get two keys, only two victory points, but you also get two in each of the elemental tracks. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge, That's that's really hard to push. Like, you know, like, you're only getting two for the town, and there's one town that gives, like, straight out 11. It does nothing else but give you 11 victory points. That could be the town that's a cinch at the end. You might even just say, hey, I'll just take the two points, because now I just climbed ahead of you. Like, you might only get six points on that elemental track, but if you cut someone down six, you know. So tell me more about the plexiglass. How does that kind of work? It's great. It just perfectly lays over, and it has cutouts for each of your buildings. Okay. So this way, you remember like when I was showing you and I accidentally tapped the board and you just were like, oh no. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that anymore. Sure. Well, I mean, if you smack it, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like a light bump, though, doesn't like knock everybody's pieces yeah. loose. But it's perfectly cut out to where all the buildings are and the shifting of power so you know where everything is. It's, you know, sometimes like the houses get a little grouped up and you think you get four workers, sure. but you don't. It's true because the, the little player boards, that's it gets a mess really quickly. Yeah. And just depending on like, I think Mike had that at one point. Like his things were just like slightly a shifted. quarter of an inch to the right, 
and it threw off the the scoring for that. Yeah, so it'll be like it'll just neaten out your board, and it even has like cutouts for like the sliding the tracks of power. That so is that's really cool. That's amazing. But once again, I got to go back to the that should have been there originally. Yeah, I, well, I, like you know, because for a game that's already eighty bucks, I this think this is that, what I'm saying. I mean, if, if it was a fifty, sixty buck game, I would say I would understand like, hey, we made a mistake or we couldn't fit everything good in it. But I mean, if you've played in these these major heavy Euro kind of board games, one tap of the of the table and it's just it's over. Yeah, you might as well just start all <laughs> over again. So they needed to have something a little more organized with the graphic design, especially, and not to mention the components were just kind of iffy. So I'm glad they're kind of rectifying that at a cost, unfortunately. And one thing that's cool is um, they actually have an expansion on the way with two more races. Mm. The beauty of that top right part being like a snap-out piece is if the other races also have different styles, they'll just make those two pieces as something you can buy separate. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So this way you don't have to buy a whole new set of boards just you know to get that little extra. That's yeah. great. It's going to make a great game. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, we played two. We played five. I like two still. I don't feel like it weakened it. I think I still want to get this for home. Yeah, so. it's it's. Oh, I think so five was so much better. I think it's a better game. Yeah, a, but I don't. A, I don't think two suffers as much as some people say it does. I think. I mean. I think two. You're just playing your own game because. I mean, why? Why? Why can? Why contest certain cold tracks? Or yeah, why? Like two player. It's like two player is a great way to really learn the race. Like find out because like since every race plays different, you're really finding out. Oh, cool. All right, this works a little better for the deep dwarves. Sure, like I agree. And then, like, and then when you're playing that five-player game, you know, it, it's like any of the deep games where it's like, all right, now that I know that this and this, like, team up to this, or this is a good way for power shift, like, now when you're playing, like, the four and five players, you're like, all right, I know the deep dwarves. I know what to do now. Like, Shouldn't it be, like, more of a variant for the two-player where, like, certain the god, like, a number of the god tokens are taken off, so maybe it's just one yeah. of each? Yeah, that kind of make, yeah, make, you, and, make it a little tighter. And that's the beauty of house rule, house rule. Like, you can just do that, where it's like, all right, we're only using one of each god favor, one of each town tile. Yeah, because then that way it makes it a little more. It gives true the multiplayer to the game. threat without. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It gives a little more trueness to the game. Or like, we're gonna stay in this section. You know, this is a two-player section. You'll stay in this main area, so that there's a little more conflict on as far as that's concerned. Yeah, just put a phone book on half the board too. <laughs> like you know, like basically yeah. just play short board. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And like I said, they should have had a two or three-player game board on one side and the four and five on the other. But it's pretty. Now, and a yeah. quick side note, with like when we're talking about the Takedo Special Edition and the larger board for Ticket to Ride, how great would it be if there was a Terra Mystica where the tiles were the size of Battle Lord? Yeah. You know, right. like, <laughs> the board is uh, 74 by 86 inches, <laughs> and it's gigantic. That's a good question. I mean, the game has been selling really well. That game would be awesome as a collector's edition. Yeah. You know, have like, and almost like, I think um, Citadel of Tan has this on one of their versions where it's like the terrain is actually terrain. So it'd be nice to be able to like pop out a terrain and put your terrain in and actually have a physical three dimensional mm, kind yeah. of look to it. Like I'm at that point where like uh, I saw an awesome like Reaper uh, minis guy like that was like a dark priest or something. I was tempted to buy like six of those just for my priest instead of the meeples. <laughs> like yes, this is awesome. <laughs> right? That's when you know you've hit a new level with a game though. Like you like it that much, you're like I'm replacing components. I'm gonna spend three hundred dollars on this game. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so Kim, there's one game that you have started converting everyone at the store to play. Not everyone. You got like a dozen people to play it so far. I had a couple of people. I I like this game a lot. It's the Pathfinder card game. If you love Pathfinder, you'll probably like this game. The only thing I want to warn you guys is it has no role-playing aspect to it. It's just you're going into towns, you're looting, you're fighting monsters, 
villains, henchmen, but there's no role playing, no DM to tell you this back the backstory of anything. But it is really fun. You should at least try it once. And if you don't like it, that's fine. But it's and, and like also with you said like no role playing. I mean, we've even kind of made up our own stuff at some point. Oh yeah. We're like you know like no landslide. We need the rogue. Bring him <laughs> over. Like... Yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, we even be like, you know, come over to this town. It has more loot in it. You know, it's. I, I liked when me and Nick were both the mages, and we're like, "You guys go fight. We're just staying at the library, and we're ransacking every spell that this place has." <laughs> we were literally watching them die. And we're like, "I'm gonna get acid bowl sooner or later." <laughs> and then when a creature came out, you're like, "Oh, we need help." Yeah, it's like, "Oh, it's immune to magic." It's like I can't well, hear you. <laughs> I can't hear you in this town over here. <laughs> you should have stuck with the group. Yeah, I mean, like we. I mean, we talked this a while back. When I first tried it, I wasn't really too wowed by it. But after playing it, I mean, I don't know if it's the legacy aspect, because the cool thing is, like, Kim's played it multiple times so far. Played more than you. Yeah, you, you played it, like, 10, 12 times already. I even played a solo game, which is actually, like, it's not as sad as it sounds, <laughs> but it's, like, it, it's pretty cool, because I get to try out new characters, see what they do. But now I know when I do solo, solo adventures, never go in as a cleric or wizard, just fighter. Yeah, like paladin, barbarian, something I like can't, that. Yeah, I did the cleric and I got destroyed. Downside is like one thief trap. It's like, and I'm dead. <laughs> I got no weapons. Huh, how am I going to do this? Yeah. So have you had a chance to play like multi, like legacy style yet? Or are you just yeah, still showing we, everybody how to play? Yeah, we've been doing like, uh, we're on... Scenario. Yeah, one. we're doing the full scenario and then we're actually starting the actual Rise of the Rune Lords adventure path. So this is what's cool. Um, like an RPG setup, you can do a one-shot where you just choose one scenario, one style. You can do like a, a continual which is like just like two or three of the scenario styles and then they actually have the full adventure path where there's six objectives so at the end of each adventure you get a like a reward of some type and then at the end of the full scenario you get an additional reward to go with that and yeah. you, can, you can even build up your deck you can add more weapons if it applies to whatever uh character you're doing and also, at the end of like each scenario, you can just trade items with people or just like, hey, do you want this? I don't need it. Sure, I'll take it. Yeah. The only thing I have to say, though, is it's weird, but I get it for what it is, is if you fail at a check to pick up an item, it goes away. So it's like, you know, you're walking into town. Oh, look, there's a sword on the floor. Well, I can't roll a strength 10. I guess I'm just going to leave it there. I I know what you're saying. Like you, We do like kind of like a house rule where if you don't pick it up, you can choose to leave it there to just have someone else come and get it. I think the only reason like the book tells you to get rid of it is because you're the on timer. that clock. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why it's weird, but I get it. Because you have a timer. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry. I just heard the scenario of the king is screaming at you. Yeah. How could you let those bandits escape? You don't understand, man. That sword is awesome. I had to walk yeah. <laughs> all the way to the caves to pick it up. Then I had to go back to the swamp to fight your bandits. <laughs> Kim, you had one job. <laughs> this kingdom is falling apart so you can get a 2d6 sword. Sorry, man. I'm an adventurer. <laughs> it's a really pretty sword. <laughs> You'll notice that it's, I'm not a hero. I'm an adventurer. I do what's good for me. 
yeah. yeah, but if you're if you're if you're not in, if you're heavy into the role playing aspect, I don't think you'll like this game. Because yeah. I, I had a, I had a player or two that played it, and I was like, Pathfinder, but no role playing. It's weird. Hmm. And it's like, if you think about it, it's like more like a video game type. Like playing Skyrim, you're just like you know fighting monsters, looting. Instant gratification. Yeah. 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 I, and I'm saying like, because Chris, like we probably played like what, like a dozen deck builders or so? Oh, sure. It, I, I want you to take a stab at it just because I love that element of yeah, take a stab at it. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. I got these items. All right. I'm ditching my mace. So now I have a, like a piercing weapon because what's cool is they do incorporate RPG elements like skeletons. If you're using a piercing or slashing weapon, it's harder to hit them. Sure. Um, and like even spells. This is what's awesome. Like, you can have a spell in your deck as a fighter, but if you cast it, it's like if you don't have arcane, discard this card at the end. So, you know, you kind of picture it in your head like it's a scroll. Like your guy can use the scroll once and then it's gone forever, but if you give it to the wizard, he can write it in his book. Mm-hmm. So it does a cool job. Like even like heavy weapons, it's like if you're not trained in melee, um, it's for harder to hit. So you can hit hard. But if you're a mage or a cleric using a weapon you shouldn't, it's that much harder to hit. Mm. So they do a cool, like, balancing act. You know, like, daggers don't have it, but longswords do. How so often if, would you say you die in this game? Or how, I, how I, I got, often. I got nixed out uh, one game because I was just going really aggressive. Sure. And I got, like, blown out one round. Like, because what happens is you lose as many cards from your hand as you take damage. Sure. Wizards have a huge hand. Downside was I got hit for seven, had six cards, my whole hand was wiped out. When I drew up, I had one card left in my deck. See, that's why when you go into towns, it's good to have more than one person in a town because when you fight monsters, they can help you. Items, they can't help you, but the monsters, they can help you. But the only thing is when you're adventuring, exploring towns, just be be wary of what you have in your hand because that's your life. And if your deck runs out, you die. But what is good, though, is if you have a hand of four cards, if you get hit for 11 damage, you just lose the four cards in your hand. Okay. That's it's okay. not like you get totally blown out. Yeah, so. yeah. I want to try it if we're going to play it in the next couple weeks. Yeah. It's, it's definitely snazzy. I like it a lot, man. Cool. I went from, this game is terrible, to, well, I'll try it someday. I thought it was funny, yeah. <laughs> I want to play it. All right, I'm going to get it. Because when we, they, had, <laughs> they got like a demo kit in like six months ago at Myriad. No, before that. We, we looked at that. We went through yeah, it. Yeah, it was like yeah, last like, summer. Ah! It, was, it was pre-Gen Con. And we were like, awesome, Pathfinder and a deck builder. And there's Order dice. Order me five of everything. I don't want this game. <laughs> and then six months later, I love it more than everything. And, and the best thing is that... Uh, <laughs> and at the end, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the best thing is uh, when I was picking it up um, at our local Myriad, like, Paul was like, you know, I said, Paul, do you have any promos for the game? He's like, yeah, I got two different blessings. All right, yeah, I'll buy it today. <laughs> that's, all it's, uh, that's all it takes. <laughs> promos, I'm in. <laughs> You're an easy mark. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> that's awesome. It's bad when he has my credit card number memorized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, the usual. Tick, 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 tick. <laughs> we did that, Mr. Smithers. Yes, excellent. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> all right. Um, we got a few other games we played, and they're all kind of like small, quick ones that we've gotten in the last couple weeks. Um, the first one is this. I actually didn't even know this was coming out, and I didn't even reserve it. You reserved it for me, and I was like, sweet. I knew. And then I bought it. <laughs> is the uh, expansion for Boss Monster, Tools of Hero Kind. Now, is that literally the smallest box for expansion ever? It's so awesome, though. Like, it's it's a GBA cartridge. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it looks like an old Game Boy cartridge. and or box for the cartridges and I don't remember how big those boxes were I think they were a little bigger than this but 
it, yeah, it looks like it, and it goes on. really well with it. Yeah, just made it's just big enough to fit a deck of cards. Yeah, it's actually too big. They have this, this little insert inside. Sure. That, and you, you pick it up, and you're like, there's nothing in here. You open it, there, there's nothing in here. But it's funny, because you get 26 cards. It's 10 bucks. So at first, you might kind of balk at it, but the, it at these 26... That's not 26, bad at all, though. 10 bucks. I mean... No, I mean, it's fine for an expansion. It's Yeah. But, and online, I think it's $6, so whatever. Yeah, but then you're paying five shipping. <laughs> yeah, but it adds so much to the game that it's absolutely worth it. Yeah. Um, so basically what it is, is you're getting items for the heroes, so if you've played the game, you know that the heroes are kind of... Like, the first half of the game, they're just regular heroes before they become epic heroes. Yeah, they're just, like, meat. <laughs> like, yeah, no, destroy a dungeon. The first hero anybody pulls will deal damage, and everything after that until you reach the epic heroes, nothing. Because nobody's going to burn their cards on you early, their spells, to make them hurt you. And even if they could, it's not going to do anything. Um, the items actually make the heroes are kind of hard to kill. So, like, And there's a good 20 items in here and they're all hilarious too which is awesome like you got things in here like you know oversized sword claw of the berserker vorpal blade um a couple other really funny ones the necronomicon um ice rod uh where's the funny ones well it was the uh, konami code yeah the there cheat code the cheat code and it has it up up down down left right left right that's amazing it's so cool <laughs> uh bag of holding uh the 10 foot pole yes which is a total uh, Dungeons and Dragons, the cartoon from the eighties, yeah, yeah, kind of throwback. Yeah, the holy hand grenade. Holy hand grenade. You got the holy hand grenade. Awesome. Ring of invisibility, and then it's got Gollum. basically Gollum yeah. on the card. So, the cards are awesome, but they're also like they're hardcore. Like ten uh, foot pole. Choose a trap room in any dungeon. Deactivate that room until end of turn. Uh, when a hero enters this dungeon, deactivate the first trap in your dungeon. So if it's early in the game, that's like half your damage. Yeah. So a regular hero could ding you. you Let me check out a couple of these. Yeah, because like. Well, uh, a table next to us was actually playing this game while me and Chris were playing our 8-bit game of yes. Pixel Tactics. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, some of the stuff is hysterical, and I love that it's like, if you beat down that hero, now you got a bonus. And that's the cool thing. It's not, just, it's not just, hey, the heroes are harder now, it's that if you beat them, <laughs> if you actually hurt them, you get to take that item, and you can only have one item at a time, so if you already have one and you haven't used it yet, you have to choose. Like, you can't just have, like, five items and then start bashing people with them. But I think Oversized Sword is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, yeah. You actually hear, like, the, the Final Fantasy music. Yeah, yeah. It's, the like, it's the Buster Sword. And it really does change the game, because early on, you're just looking to pick up heroes, so when you build your dungeons, you're looking to build multiples of whatever that sign is that you're trying to attract the heroes. And then when we saw the heroes come out with the items, we were like, ah, probably not a good idea to try to get those guys. Star of Invulnerability and he's taking out like Mike Noitz. That's fantastic. Yeah, the, the cards in the original game are funny. There are a lot of good video game references. Oh, yeah. These ones are like these le are better. legitimately hilarious. These are better. Like they got I don't know if they just yeah. had some ideas that came up after the original was released and I think it was one of those things like we didn't get sued. Now let's kind of push that. Yeah, we're going to push it. Yeah. Either that or it's like, oh, well, people appreciate like what we're doing this. And once they saw the positive response, they're like, green light, let's go nuts. Yeah, yeah. What I want to kind of see with these is like themed expansions. Now this is a little themed. You know, you got the all the different kinds of items. But you could actually pull from specific types of games, like say Zelda, and just do a ton of Zelda tropes. Or, you know, Elder Scrolls and just a bunch of jokes about Elder Scrolls in one expansion. Um, I don't know how far they can push it before they get past that 8-bit, 16-bit look, you know, into like, the modern games, but there's a lot of good old stuff you could work with. It would be nice to, like, if you if you did that, to have the have a deck of, like, you know, like, so the villains in the dungeons that actually match 
you know, and have the heroes that actually match. So it's kind of like completely thematic instead of just kind of random. Yeah, it is a little random now, but one thing I was thinking of too is like, um, like I would love to see like an expansion down the road. If your dungeon can have a split path, like if you can make two paths and the hero will take whatever's better for them. Sure. Because, oh, like, yeah. you know, like think about the warp levels in old games or the secret door. Like, it would be awesome if your hero's like, like, you know, like, and then your opponents choose what the hero do, where it's like, okay, well, seeing as how that'll do 11, he's going to go down here, you know, or yeah. something like that. That would be awesome. Yeah. There's so many things they could do with this, and I like what they did with this first one. I feel like it was a good idea, and they didn't even go for a full expansion. Like, it's not a huge expansion. It's not a game sure. changer. It's one new element, but it adds a lot. Yeah, yeah it's, it's cool. It's, it's, if you have the if you have the base game, it's a buy, without yeah, a doubt. Easily. It, you know, if you're gonna buy the base game, pick up the expansion because I think it just makes the game so much better. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're picking up, there's no reason not to get this instantly. I was. So I cool. think you have to get this. Yeah. yeah. Just for the box alone. The box is awesome. Yeah. Like normally with a game like this, I would just sleeve those, dump them in the base box, and toss this. Yeah. But, keep but that's keep so adorable. Yeah. That thing's like cool beyond adorable. <laughs> yeah. We'll put a picture up too because it's awesome if you haven't seen it. Yeah, we have pictures on all our little games that we pop up on the cast. So this is definitely one you want to keep. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So if yeah, if you have Boss Monster, buy this. If you're gonna pick up Boss Monster, toss this in the cart too, because Boss Monster is what thirty bucks, twenty five bucks, something like that. Yeah. So definitely a buy. Now one other eight uh, bit style game that Chris and I got to play was Pixel Tactics, and it's a game that's <laughs> only fifteen minutes. Our game was the slugfest. It took us like thirty five minutes. We killed everything of each other's. <laughs> Pixel Tactics. It's you have three lines of the board. And each turn, you like the attacker will take two actions for his front line. Opponent does the same. You go to the next line, two actions, two actions. You go to the last line, two actions, two actions. Then you pass the attacker to your opponent, rinse and repeat. What you can do is you can, as an action, you can draw a card, remove a corpse, play a card, shift your people around, or activate an ability. And it's like a really simple game. It's adorable. Each unit does something different based on their line or if you play them as an action card. So, like, one guy might be like, every time you attack, draw a card. And then on the second line, as an action, draw two cards. And then the last one will be like, draw two cards and replace one on the bottom of your deck. And then as an action, he's like, draw three cards. So it's like, this guy's like a definitely a seer-type character, but, you know, it shows through. And the coolest thing is, you flip the card over, and it shows him as a hero. Yeah, the bottom side of it. The, yeah. And Chris's was mean <laughs> as could be. It, was, it should have just been like an infernal demon or something, because it's every time one of his guys died... He healed and did a permanent additional point of damage. Ooh. So at the end of the game, he was hitting for 28. <laughs> and most units have about six hit points. So we were saying they weren't dying. They were just exploding into <laughs> mist and bones. <laughs> and then, like, my guy's special ability was healing people, but it didn't matter once you got hit for 28. <laughs> Get me tape. I'll put them back together. <laughs> So um, so at the end of our game, it came down to, I figured out I can do like six damage every turn, and he can do enough to kill anything. So we counted out how many cards I had left, <laughs> and we just did the math, like, okay, can I kill you in five turns? All right, cool. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, it was just down like the one or two, like, you would have held up by one or two rounds at the end, which was hilarious because she's like overpowered, but she's still gonna lose. And, and that's it. like I don't know if it's because like you know you play like a lot of heavy euros, so you were like, all right, like let me try this out instead. Sure. But it was like I, you know, most people would just be like, oh cool, I attack with my archer, and Chris is like, okay, I'm gonna constantly push these people in the front, so you have to murder them. <laughs> he's like, nobody means anything, but he's like, as long as the leader lives, I live, right? Cool. Okay, you die, you die, you die. I hit for twenty. <laughs> 
we just, we just literally need like a D20 just to keep, and it's like, oh, that's not enough. <laughs> yeah, because we were using shits, and like he, had his, he couldn't even read his guy anymore, so we broke out a D20, and I'm like, why do you have this symbol up top? And he's like, well, because I'm doing 20 now. I'm like, I'm sorry. What? Can you repeat? And then I looked over, he had no cards left. I'm like, this is berserk. <laughs> but assuming that you don't go like panting, sweating, bodies everywhere battlefield, <laughs> it's like normally a quick game. If you say so. Unless you play, well, unless you play the master tactician. Unless you, unless you play against me. <laughs> he, he played the 8-bit Sun Tzu the Art of Pixel War. Yeah, so what the great, like Dan was saying, the great thing about the game is each card has a main hero that you can choose to play as or you spin the card around and it that card would then have a special ability depending on where you place it, whether it's the first yeah. row, the second row, or the third row. So it really has that strategic kind of like, where do I want to place this to get the best value from that card? And I remember like in your back line you had like the deceiver or something, which every turn, like when instead of attacking, he makes you discard a card. He just discard a card. That yeah. was that was rough. Yeah, hand management's a big thing in this game. Yeah. Cause like if I would if I used an action to draw the card, I had to play it before Chris got to his back line. Otherwise I would never see it again. Mm-hmm. Sure. And the, so. when the when the cards run out, the game ends. So I ran out of yeah, all that was left was your hero, just like, like I said, you know, like, wading through bodies. Sure. But, uh, and the cool thing between the decks is, like, um, you'll see, like, similar units. Like, you both have the same sides, but me, um, we each had a werewolf in our deck, but mine was, like, you know, like, like, Alexander, you know, whatever, Belmont or something, and his was, like, Lucia Belmont. So it was cool that they were two different people from the same family because they're both werewolves. Oh, yeah. You know, and stuff like that. Yeah, and, like, so it's cool. Like, you know, the cards, like, the medic on your, like, the one player's deck is the same as the medic on the others, but the hero is, like, sometimes a little different. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty awesome. And they actually have Pixel Tactics and Pixel uh, Pixel Tactics 2 out, and they look like old 8-bit, like, Nintendo game boxes. Like, you know, they have the lines on the side and the style art. Yeah. It's definitely cool, and it's, like, a $15 game. It's not bad. Yeah, and it actually, uh, the instructions are, like, it's this gigantic poster of instructions, but that's because on the back is a play mat if you want to use that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it was really cool. You know, like, and uh, the damage counters, what's really sweet is um, they're just like Summoner Wars where one side is a one and the other side is a three. So, you know, you can even double up and use them between games if you want. Yeah, I think there's, <clears throat> there's honestly infinite replayability with this game. It's just, it's crazy. And it's... It's, I guess the game we played was really long, so I like to see if we can play a short game. Yeah, we got to use like not the greatest heroes. There. And well, the, and the other thing too is like you'll notice it seems like everything is overpowered, and because it, it's meant to be a quicker game. Yeah, so that's pretty sweet. The one thing I, I sometimes worry about though is like this game is awesome, Boss Monster is awesome. I, like I saw that game like Pixel Lincoln, I kind of want to try that because um, like I heard like a lot of stuff from it um through like Flip the Table, like they mentioned it a lot on their older episodes when it was being kickstarted. I'm afraid of the eight bit becoming the next zombie yeah yeah and i mean i love the 8-bit it goes back to you know playing video games as a kid it does get a little tiring it i mean you know after you know if you're playing if you sit down playing a game for a half hour an hour it's like it's kind of getting blurry they're really boxy it's like (laughs) i thought i bought games for really cool artwork and this is like this is cute but not for hours yeah it has to be like the quick game. it has to be a quick game because it's like it, it loses its um nostalgia it's like wow this is awesome I don't want to play four of these in a row because it's yeah. it just kind of like all blurs together and it's like, you know, especially some of the other games have amazing artwork 
And it's like, yeah. this is cute for a couple of minutes, you know, a couple of minutes, but... Like, if someone released a war game, like, bit or war. Yeah, and then yeah. And it's, it's going... like, eight-bit war games, like, no. yeah. Like, <laughs> That's gonna happen, though. Of course, That's what I'm yeah. saying, it, it's, like, I worry when that moment comes, and it's like, I don't love the thing I love anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, sad. it's like the same thing, like, Minecraft, you know, it's like, oh, this is great. Now I'm done. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to look at for yeah. three hours. Yeah. Well, for some people. <laughs> Some people play that game for 42 hours, don't realize what day it is anymore. (laughs) I I need one more achievement. (laughs) Hi, I'm Dan. (laughs) I have a problem. And what's even sadder is one of the guys at our local game store, uh, you know, my my son, (laughs) Pete, he has every achievement in that game, so I'm like, I know you have a thousand meter rail. I need to join your world. I want that. (laughs) I don't want to build this. (laughs) My brain hurts. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, I gotta try that game out. That looks cool. And now for the feature review. Alright, so the main review this week Battle Lore 2nd Edition. Uh, if you have not played the original Battle Lore game, the, this is the second edition. What ended up happening was Fantasy Fight picked up the license a few years ago from Days of Wonder. Um, they put out a few things, they reskinned it for Battles of Westeros, and then they kind of ignored it for like five years. Um, it kind of came out of nowhere last year when they decided they were going to reskin it, uh, put it out in their Terranoth world, but the second they said that, we were super excited about it because we love all of the Runebound games. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, I mean, if you look, Descent, they have those lieutenant packs, they're making new expansions left and right, so the Terranoth world is doing huge for them. Yeah, exactly, which is why part of the reason I was so excited because the battle or system is awesome. Like this it's it's command and colors, it's Richard Borg, his command and color system, which is used in a few different games. Um, but this one's a little watered down on that. It's not the full command and colors, it's a lot quicker, um, it finds ways to streamline the game. It like a full game, once you get the rules down, takes about forty five minutes, which is super quick for a war game. But it's like for me is the perfect time for a two player game. Uh, there's a lot of these really fantastic two-player games that I just don't play because you don't want to go to a game store and sit down with just a two-player game for three hours. So, and this is, yeah. I feel this is going to hit like the perfect time for that. Um, and it's just, it's really fantastic the way it balances out. There's no, it's not super aggressive, it's not super defensive, there's not a lot of turtling, there's not, it's tactics, but it's not like overwhelming tactics. And, it's. Uh... I like that it's a miniature combat game in a box, so you don't have to play somebody that bought their own army. Exactly. You build it then and yeah. there. Yeah, and I'm sure there's going to be a ton of expansions for this game, which is, to me, is exciting because the minis are amazing, and the you know there's we already know there's at least two other armies they can build, like probably tonight out of Rune Wars, and then there's two more beyond that that are in the other games. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, let's dive in and, and we'll describe how the game plays because it's, it's super quick. It's awesome. All right, so Battlelore is a two-player tactical war game between the humans and the Uthuk Yalan. Yeah. Or Chaos Demons when we don't know how to pronounce it. Which is every single time. <laughs> yeah. We practice that for five minutes. Um, <laughs> so there's two armies out of the box and these, if you've played any other Runebound Universe games, they should be familiar. It's actually the exact same sculpt set of Rune Wars. Both of these armies are in Rune Wars. So... It's larger and more detailed, which is cool. Yeah, they are larger, which is awesome. Um, the set, the game is not like Rune Wars at all. It is like Battle Lore. They have streamlined it a little bit, but the armies are the same, which is awesome because that means we can expect more. Um, 
But the game itself is fairly simple. Um, as I said, the setup is the most complicated part. Once you get into that, the game plays really fast. So when you, after you choose your army, you're going to get a series of different decks related specifically to your side. There's only one shared deck in the game. That's the command deck. So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to look through your scenario cards. You're going to choose a scenario, and both sides do it secretly. You can draw one if you want to make it random, or you can pick one. We've just been playing where you pick one because it doesn't really make a huge difference one way or the other. Um, you both put them down, they face against each other, and then that's going to tell you how to build the board. Um, on each of the scenario cards, it'll have different tiles that match different types of terrains. So there's hills, forests, buildings, water, uh, bridges, different s movement of water. Um, and then they're all going to go on this big three-section board. Um, the board's, it folds out, it's huge. It's going to take up most of the table. It has, basically it's broken into three uh, sections, and whatever side you're looking at, you have the left flank, the center, and the right flank. You drop the tiles on the board based on what your scenario card tells you, and then you've built the board. Uh, your scenario card is also going to have slightly colored spaces on it to match where you're allowed to place your units. So there will be red ones, there will be blue ones, uh, blue for the humans, red for the demons, and that's the only places you can deploy to. So it kind of it restricts you a little bit in terms of where you're deploying, but the cool thing is there are not enough spaces on the board to match the number of units you can build in your army, so you're actually going to deploy decoys as well. We'll get to that in a second. So after you've set up the board, you're going to start building your army. Um, the game comes with three pre-built army cards, which are great if you're just learning the game. Uh, if you want to ignore those completely, the, the rule is basically you're building to 50 points. So you can, each unit in the game has a point value, the infantry is four points, the elite units are six, the mega awesome super elite unit, each side has one, is eight points, and then any leftover points you're going to get lore tokens. Um, so you'll build up your army, and here's where the it gets a little confusing the first time you're playing it, because the terminology matters a lot. A unit is the one card, so that's one unit on the board. For everything except for your big bad unit, that means three pieces. So when we say pieces, we're talking about the individual models. When we say unit, we're talking about the collection of three models. Um, so a unit is not necessarily one piece on the board, it's three. And so for every unit you play on the board, you're going to put down three pieces, which is why there's so many minis in the box. Um, as you're building your army, you're going to put all your cards together. They have these tiny little cards that represent the uh, each unit that you've selected in your point build. Then you're going to take enough decoys to equal 18. You put them all face down on the board. You flip them over at the same time as each other. Then you replace all the cards with the actual plastic uh, pieces. Then everything should be set up at that point. You can also throw out a command tent, which will give you an extra five points in your build. But if you if your opponent takes the command tent from you during the game, they're going to get two victory points. So it's a little risky. Um, you're basically selling, you know, the chance of losing two victory points for the that five extra points. So if you're super confident, it's good. If you're still learning the game, it might be good to hold that back a little bit for a while. Once the game starts, um, there are two types of cards. There's the command cards and then there's lore cards. Uh, we'll get to the lore cards a little bit later because the command cards are about 90% of the game. The main phase is broken down into four steps, the first of which you play a command card, and the command card is going to... Um, there are a few different kinds of command cards, but they're all pretty generic because they apply to both sides. Uh, a lot of them will say, 
activate X units in X part of the board. So, um, for example, it might say activate three units in the center part of the board. So you can't move all your pieces at once. You're only going to activate the, th the amount allowed by that card. Um, so maybe you have 10 units on the board. At any given time, you're going to activate between two and five of them. So you can't move everything all at once. Um, but it does give you different layers of strategy because maybe uh, you want to move the left flank one turn, kind of push the enemy over a little bit, and then move the center flank or center section up uh, in the next turn. You can kind of plan out your turn a little bit um, because you have multiple cards in your hand and decide how you're going to play them over time. Whereas in a typical war game, maybe you're more complicated tactics, a lot of things going on, you're moving all these different units, deciding where you want to attack. Um, this one, it really limits your options, and by limiting your options, it streamlines the game a lot. It makes, like, it pulls away a lot of that indecision that you might have otherwise, because you really only have a few options to choose from. Once you choose a command card, you'll indicate which units you're going to activate. Those activated units, um, during the order step, you can decide what you're going to do with them. So, the an activated unit can move and attack, if, if possible. You don't have to move an activated unit, it just means that they're now able to attack. And you don't have to attack with an activated unit, uh, it just means that you're able to move it and or attack. So, if you move three activated units and that's all you can move, and none of them are in range to attack anything, you're done. That's all you can do, because you can't attack with a non-activated unit. It, at the same time, if you have, let's say, three archers, you activate all three archers, and you don't move them, you can still shoot with them because they're active. So it, it makes that step pretty quick, um, and it'll help you kind of determine where you're going to move your pieces throughout the uh, game. Once you get to the attack step, you're going to declare your targets, and then you'll roll dice based on the number of dice that the uh, card for that unit says you can roll. Uh, most of them have, well, they all have between two and four dice. There are modifiers that you can get later that'll give you more dice, but usually it's between two and four. You'll roll the dice, and then the whatever comes up on the dice, they're not numbered, they just have like little symbols on them. Um, so like, for example, if you have a strike, which is two swords, that's an automatic hit for any melee unit. Um, cleave, which is one sword, is a hit if you have all three pieces in your unit. If you've taken damage at any point, uh, it's a miss. A pierce, which is a little bullseye, that's a hit with a ranged unit. Um, morale, which is a flag, that means they have to retreat. Uh, lore, it's these little uh, diamond tokens, means you take a lore token. And then heroic, which is a crown symbol, um, lets you do a special ability if that unit has a special ability, which is printed on their card. Um, if you deal damage to somebody, they just take one of the pieces out of their unit. So it's a really easy way to keep track of damage. There's no damage tokens, it's just you have three pieces, you took one damage, remove one piece. Simple. If And again, once a piece becomes weak, um, it's harder for them to hit as a melee unit. If you attack somebody, they don't retreat, and they're still alive, they can counterattack in melee range. So it's another one of those things, like, if you go up against a strong unit and, you don't, and you're not sure you can kill it, you got to be careful, because maybe they'll hit you back pretty hard. Um, now that brings us to the lore step. Um, the lore cards kind of add the vast majority of intrigue to this game, because if you were just running up against each other and hitting each other back and forth... It'd be a pretty uh, one-dimensional game. Um, you know, there's a lot of cool things in there with the command cards, and you can build your tactics, and the dice are going to make it a little random. But the lore cards really add a lot. They're basically magic. 
So you'll build up lore tokens uh, in two ways, either from the dice rolls. Every time a lore token comes up on a die, you'll get a, a lore token. Um, and at the end of every round, you can choose to take two lore tokens or one card and one lore token. So you can build up a lot of lore over time, and then you can spend it to play these cards, which you draw from your own personal lore deck. Both sides have their own deck. They have their own spells. And then these things do all sorts of cool stuff. Um, some, like, if you... For the demons, for example, if you kill somebody on your opponent's side of the board and you play a card, you can get a victory point. Um, the humans have the same kind of card, but it's if you play kill it on your side of the board. It's like a defensive card. Uh, the really strong ones go up to nine points, and these ones are just like add five hits to every dice roll or add four dice to the attack. And it's just some crazy stuff. Um, you can do some pretty amazing hits, especially the Chaos Lord, the big um, red guy. He's super strong anyways, and then you tack on, like, that nine-pointer, and he's just going to obliterate anybody in his path. It's kind of hilarious. Uh, so the lore cards are going to be a huge part of the game. You're going to use them actively, and because your opponent doesn't necessarily know when you're going to use it, you can mess up their tactics pretty solidly because maybe you can see how they're going to move, but you don't know when they're going to use those magic cards or which ones they have in their hand. Um, so after your main phase is over, you go to upkeep, um, this is when both players have done their main phase. That you check and see who has gains victory points based on the conditions of the field. When you set up the board, there would be victory points that you drop down based on your scenario cards. If you're standing on it at the end of the round, you get a victory point. Each scenario card also has extra victory point conditions. Um, one that Chris and I played was that if his golems were on a hill, he got a victory point. Uh, another one is if I had a hill and a forest both occupied every combination of those I get a victory point um, there's a bunch of little things like that uh, another one was if your opponent is not in either of your cities your buildings you get a victory point so there's a bunch of cool little things to get victory points so it'll usually most rounds um, it's pretty close like maybe you'll get two your opponent will get one it's never going to become like a hard blowout if you both know the rules which is kind of one of the coolest things about this game it's not it goes quick, you're going to run through the rounds fast, nobody's going to get like five victory points in a turn by like killing all your units, because it's, it's, it's a war game, but it's also kind of area control. So there's no turtling, you're not going to sit back and sit down in a defensive structure and let your opponent kind of commit you, because then they could sit back and just pull victory points. But at the same time, if you're super aggressive, um, maybe you don't have any units on those victory points. So... After you tally up the victory points, you're going to draw one more command card. That happens every round. And then the lore step, where you're going to get those lore tokens and or a card. Um, and that's the game. That's basically it. You just play until somebody hits 16 victory points, and then game over. Uh, it's super quick. It's super easy to set up. Uh, I think I learned the rules in like a half an hour. We did find a couple little tweaks. It is a strategy game. It is a war game. Uh, so there are some particulars you have to be careful about, such as the order in which you resolve the dice really matters. Uh, you're going to use, you know, for example, I think Chris and I had a problem at one point where um, there's one ability on one of the units that if the other unit is weak, meaning they've already lost one of their pieces, you can, if you roll the crown, the special ability crown, the heroic, they take a damage. But you resolve the crown first when you roll four dice. So what we had been doing is we'd roll four dice and, oh, I hit you, and I got a crown, so now you're weak, so now it's another damage. But in reality, it should have been nothing there because they were full strength before when we rolled the crown. Um, 
things like that you want to be careful about with the rules. But Fantasy Flight being Fantasy Flight, they you know they have a rule book, but then they have this very nifty reference book, which basically anytime you have a question, you just look at the index in the back, and we found almost everything in here. Um, plus there's like a nice walkthrough on the back just showing you, you know, the game phases, what each of the terrain types does real quick, the dice results, super quick. I think I've had to go online once to look something up on the message boards. So the rule book's been pretty solid. And there's two, so you think it's a lot, but it's really not that much. So as far as complicated strategy games goes, this is one of the simpler ones I've played. As far as two-player games goes, it's one of the quickest and more... Um, it's balanced and not super, super aggressive, where somebody destroys somebody in 20 minutes, or three hours, which is even worse. <laughs> and it's... Uh, I put it at the top of my two-player games list, right up there with Summoner Wars. I don't know which one would be one, which one would be two, but they're very close. Alright, so let's get back and uh, see what everybody thinks of Battle Lore 2nd Edition. I have two questions. One, you said this was a simple war game, right? Yes. More simple than Rune Wars? Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. Dramatically simple. But yeah. if if I play this, would I get a better understanding of how to play Rune Wars? No. Mechanically, no. Um, you might understand the unit side more. Plus, I think, I think the, you, some of the same special abilities are true yeah. in both. And I think if you play Battle Lore... Like when the first time I played Rune Wars, it kind of you know went it kind of clicked on my hey this is the risk, and then when you play yeah. Rune Wars like you would play Risk, which is just conquer 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 build an army conquer conquer, you're gonna get you're gonna lose and you're gonna lose quickly. So playing Battle Lore really is a quick way of kind of introducing you to Rune Wars, which is yeah you want to take out some other units, but you really want to go after the victory points, which may have zero to do whatsoever with conquering, and so in that way it could be a good prep. Yeah, like real quick, like Rune Wars is also a much more advanced, epic. Every turn, things are happening. This is here's your objective all the time. Just go for it. So it's a little easier. Yeah, it's like Battle Lore might, might almost be like just one one little attack phase. Yeah. Of what you would do in Rune Wars. So yeah. There's, there's no build up. There's no purchasing. There's no strategies. Just like, hey, let's have this little battle. Yeah. The one thing I'd say is that you you get a really good feel of what our, each army is like. Um, you know, the demons are very. Aggressive, they always go first, and all of their attacks are very offensive. The humans are very defensive. All their like all their bonus lore cards, you know, kind of like if you kill somebody on your side of the board, you get a victory point. So, um, if your archers don't move and attack, they get to attack twice. Whereas the demon archers, they poison you. Yeah. So it's like thematically, you can tell very easily like what each side is kind of like. It's the demons are attacking the humans, and rumors is the same. So. Oh, and the second question is, how do you keep track of victory points? There's no, like, track. Chits. You get little chits, yeah. yeah. Oh. We were saying, like, we might just use spin-down dice. Yeah. Because, uh, like, we've been doing short games where we play to 10 points, but the full game is to 16. But if you pick up, like, you can go to your local game shop, get a magic spin-down die for, like, a dollar. And, you know, just use that instead of having stacks and stacks of chits in front of you. Yeah, and you, you keep having to cash them in because there's ones and fives. Yeah. So. so it's, you know, and if you get those large spin-down dice, it'll just be like, obviously I have 12. Like, you don't have to keep going, yeah. how many you got? How many you got? What's, how surprising, many got? what's surprising about that is, is why wasn't there just a score track? Yeah. Because honestly, it's a two-player game, and you really want to know where everyone else is at, because 10 points, 16 points kind of ends the game, and you have to kind of look over and try to count these little chits. Why not have a little sliver of a track 
yeah. where you just kind of easily the, know where you're going on that. The only reason I can think of is if they just wanted like the battle map to be the battle map, but yeah, it's just that kind of war game thing where you just you get a piece out of it. I don't know. It doesn't bother me that much, but it is harder to keep track. And then you do keep asking the other person, how many victory points you got? Because it uh, makes the whole game. Yeah. I, I will say this on an unrelated side note, though. I love the size of the board and everything else and how you put, like, you know, if you put a hill on the board, the hex goes over the hill on the, you know, on the board. Because it's Fantasy Flight and the size of this game, and they already have the Battlestar license, I would love to make have them make a Battlestar game just so I can play it on that map and, like, use the little push stick. To, like, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm moving my ships. Because I felt like, like, that's the thing that was pretty cool. Like, this board, I felt like... It was an awesome battle thing. Like I, I felt like you know, like we're surveying over, you know, an actual war like area and like trying to strategically hold choke points and we were instead of like like rune wars, you're like, I need that dragon rune. I'm sending everyone after that dragon rune. Like if one of you make it through, I got my rune. This game, you're a little more worried about loss because if you have like the um like if your movement card is like activate three units on your left. But they got wiped out, and you only have one guy there. Card kind of like lost a lot of its stroke, so it's you got to balance a little more. Yeah, the order cards, like the hand management, is really challenging because mm-hmm. you know you're only going to be able to move a certain number of order a certain number of units. So it could be three in the middle, where that means both your flanks are going to be doing nothing for that round, mm-hmm. and you almost have to kind of like gauge which which you're going to do second, third, and fourth because playing that middle row might. If you don't have another card for the middle, that's it for the next couple of rounds, possibly, if you don't draw another one for the middle. No, what's nice, though, is Anthony mentioned how um, you can cash in one card to just activate one unit anywhere. Sure. So I had a card that, like, would have been a useless card considering my current situation, but I was like, all right, whatever, I'll just use this card to activate my demon, try to clear out some of your archers to get this chokehold. So that was pretty fun. Like, I like that the card is never dead, it's just not as good as it could have been. Yeah, yeah, you're never stuck. The first game we played, we didn't realize that. So we both had cards yeah, I'd, that uh, were completely worthless. I had two cavalry cards, and I had no cavalry on the map. Yeah. So it was kind of like just holding up space in the hand. Yeah. And another thing, uh, when you start the game, you draw six cards and choose four for command cards. So then you can kind of weed two out. Like, I don't want cavalry cards because I don't have cavalry out. But what's a nice aspect that makes it a nice kind of intro game for this area is that you're only activating... Three units, maybe four units tops. I think the most I saw in any was five. five. Like it was two, one, two. Two, one, two. Yeah. Okay. So that's, it's not massive. It's not like you have to kind of like, you just can't move other stuff. It's just stuck. Yeah. And you're just going to move a couple of things. So if you've not played these war games before, if you've not played in the battle lore universe, you know, this is to kind of get, kind of get started on because it's all right in front of you. It kind of limits your options in a good way. And it is a little more tactical without having to, you know, have your head break down in AP. Like, oh, man, what am I going to do? How am I going to move this, that, or the other? It's not, like, random. It's, like, you can move in a section. And as Anthony was saying, the board is broken up into three by this double dash red line that kind of goes up the middle. So if your units are on one line or the on one side or the other, that determines where they're going to move. Yeah. And that's kind of, like, the signature part of this command and color system. Um so if you've played any of the other games that use it, uh, Napoleonics, the original Battle Lore, 
that's what it has. That's what we're building on. But then Fantasy Flight, it's like, oh, how do we make it faster? How do we make it more streamlined? How do we give you fewer options without making the game too simple? Sure. And they really hit, like, a perfect middle point on that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I'm like the uh, the poster boy for Fantasy Flight, but the fact that you get to build your army out of points, you know, and it was funny because when we were building our teams, like, I had that hero clicks part of my brain going, like, all right, well, if I use this and this is many points, then I can compensate with this. And like, But, I mean, um... That customization alone is awesome, and then you're choosing your tactics, and that also changes how your units work. Like, one of the um, field cards I played, my rangers got an extra range area. Sure. So I was able to outgun his archers, and that was pretty cool. Like, I love all that element. And the one thing that is really cool is, like, I already want to play again, and I'm tipping my hands way too early because I plan on playing against you. I want to try a team of, like, maybe only 36 points worth of guys, or maybe even, like, only 32 have 18 lore to start the game and just make, like, I might have fewer units, but I'm going to go in, like, really harder, really more aggressive with them. Just go crazy with those lore cards. And that was what we were saying, too. It would have been great if, and it might break the game a little bit, but if you could almost subscribe a certain points to the lore cards and almost build a deck, build a lore deck. So maybe you don't want to have that one nine card, but you want to have a lot of lower cards, or you want to have just the same way you kind of recruit troops. Or if there was even an option like ditching a lore card to get a lore point. Like if you ha- sure. drew that spell you didn't want, you can be like, all right, I'm giving up these two to get two more lore. Yeah. Like that one touch of balance would have been kind of cool. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, because the one thing that I, I liked was um, very early in the game, Anthony got a couple, like, lucky dice rolls. And um, he didn't hurt units. He obliterated them. It's like, oh, cool, all right, I'm going to fight your warriors. Uh, they're all dead. I'm like, yeah. Well, I oh. got that flanking bonus with the cavalry, which I didn't even realize. Like, I moved them both up. I'm like, hey, they're next to each other. Hey, that means they're flanking. Hey, that means I'm going to hit and, you really hard. And the thing is, like, when units get hit, they can counterattack. His knights can't be counterattacked. So it was like, I sure. destroyed these guys. I leave this guy wounded with one unit left. Like, his archer shot, and he actually got, like, two targets. <laughs> and I'm like, what's happening? Like, you know, I mean, I was like, I thought it's a one in six chance. How come everyone's dead? <laughs> And he even said, he's like, I'm getting lucky on the dice rolls. This isn't a normal thing. And plus, like, even when he was missing, he was rolling lore on his missed dice. So at one point, he had, like, 19 lore. Did you really? 19 it was, yeah. it, And it was crazy. scary. It was, like, no joke scary seeing that stack. Because I'm like, something hard's going to happen, and I'm not going to like it at all. Sure. Yeah. And he played this one nine-point card that it's just like... The one, uh, the, yeah, the only yeah, nine-point. I mean, it basically says your guys eat faces now. Like, it, they get a bonus to every roll. They hit, yeah, they roll the everything. They get a, a retreat, uh, an archer attack, a... It's a guaranteed hit. It's on one roll. of everything. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, and like, when you play that, I'm like, oh, no. Like, it was bad. Like the siege kind of yeah. yeah. But what was cool, though, is I played, you know, like, I had a little bit of lore on my side. I was like, all right. I'm pretty much dead. Let me try something out. My demon went berserk. I ran into his lines, like, you know, like, punched an archer unit out of the game, slammed, like, some knights into a wall, killed them to, like... So, I mean, and the end of our game was close. I, I lost by a point. That's totally acceptable, you sure. know, for... You don't feel like you got blown out. No, that's what's it, great about the game. Yeah, and it's cool that you're like, all right, this is not going how I want it to go. Now I need to mess with you to try to get a little bit of foothold, and you can like, yeah. you know, those lore cards are awesome. One good die roll can really change the game, you know. I, I like that it's not like, I'm hitting, I'm hitting, I'm hitting. It's like, it's 
I have a decent chance of hitting, but, you know, or, like, I might build up lore, and then I can, like, I may not hit you this turn, but next turn I'm going to be able to do something a little yeah. different. Yeah, well, that's the thing, like, with the archers, that I think they illustrate that the best. They don't hit anything. <laughs> but there's all these bonuses, like, the, so there's card, there's a card that comes up a lot. There must be a bunch in the lore deck that, or I guess it's a command card. It must be a bunch in there that, if you don't move an archer, yeah. you get to shoot twice. It's they the one, it's with the skeletons, it's the, you, yeah. you get to, you get to, order four archer units. Yeah, and then the humans, if you don't move, you get to shoot again anyways. So if you use that card with the humans, they shoot three times. Yeah, I did that against you. So, if you have, if you do it with three archer units, you roll nine times on that round. And to add to that, there's also a lore card for the humans that you can play. I think, I think it's cost four, four lore, where the archers are able to extend their range yeah. and not have any things block them either. So you could really, the archers could just be ridiculously deadly. Yeah, just that one time. But then they miss all the time. Anyways. They miss all the time. <laughs> but it balances out. So like, but it makes sense. Or like, they're far away. You're being sure. defensive. You're not moving in, so you're gonna miss. But when you miss, you're usually getting some. You're get getting lore, a ton of lore, which is awesome. Because every die, like you know, you get lore about twice as often as you get targets. So then I ended up with 19 lore. I was like, all right, now I can use all my big cards, which I have like five of. It's like bam, 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 bam. It's like, true. So okay, I spent four rounds and hit you, not at all. Yeah. Um, my archers are useless, but now I have enough magic to just wipe out your front line. I, I wouldn't mind a house roll, just um, if none of your dice presu- like result in anything. No lord, no hits, no special. You just get like one lore or something. Because on a turn, like if you get a couple of bad dice rolls, like e- like your opponent may not hit you, but they might gain nine lore in one turn. If during your turn you activate four guys, you don't hit, you don't gain lore, you don't gain anything. You you do get that feeling of like you're in quicksand. Yeah. Where you're like, he, but he got so much during his turn. Like it's, that's the only thing that's like a little scary. How many lore cards can you play per round? As there's many as no you want. unit or there's no limit. It's, it's just, just how much you can lore play them. Have, yeah. Maybe that would be something that could kind of help mitigate it. So like if someone has a lot of lore but they can only play one lore card per round. Yeah. Because like then you otherwise you drop three four lore cards, yeah. which is a lot of lore to have, but it might help. I mean, you're burning it all, though, then. Like, the 19 took the whole game. I just wasn't using the cards because yeah, I didn't the need thing. them. Sure. So. Like, um, the one thing that was kind of funny, too, is uh, when we knew I was going to, like, that Anthony had it that turn, I was like, hey, can I just have five lore to cast a spell? And he's like, sure. <laughs> he's like, I don't care. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, that was kind of fun. You know, it's like, that's yeah. not how it would normally be, but it was cool to just be like, all right, let's see how this thing works. All right, cool. Like, you know, I, That was I the first that. time I saw that demon, like, open up, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, he, he does double retreats on the helmet symbol, and if you can't retreat, you take a damage. So you got, like, into the back row of my army and just were hitting them off the board. Yeah, so I just made it was, like, where he's picking them up and just, like, throwing a horse against the castle hall. Just... <laughs> it's like four retreats. I can't retreat. They all die. Yeah, it's like someone, someone in the castle like, what's that noise? Oh, my God! <laughs> People getting whiffed into towers. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely cool. And the th- and the thing is this, like, I mean, uh, game's a little pricey, but you get a ton in the box. Oh, it's totally worth it. I would say this. I mean, again, because it's that fantasy flight quality models, you can use these things in D&D. Like, you know, it's like, yep. okay, cool. Like, you know, soldiers ride up on you, and you can break out all those human knights. Like, throw them on an RPG campaign. Like, that demon. That would be awesome to fight in Pathfinder or D&D or something like that. Like, that thing looks horrifying. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like... Uh, I'm just I love that model quality that they give you. Yeah, they're very detailed. They're, they're very big. large. Yeah, they're um, board game quality, but like top end board game quality. 
and and perfect size, like perfect size for miniature combat games. Yeah. Like sure, know, they held up because they they're gonna get moved a lot throughout yep. the mm-hmm. game. So they some of them are not put together. Fair warning. Like if you're not if you've never put together pieces, it, you might get a little intimidated when you open it. But the way they said it, it's like if you they click in pretty well. I glued them because I didn't want them to fall apart. But if you don't have glue or don't feel like gluing, if you just mash them together, they'll hold for yeah. a game. So even if they fall apart in the box, you can just jam them back. Is together. it just the two large pieces? The two largest and all the elites. So yeah. a lot of units needed to be glued. Yeah. Um, all of the obscenes needed to be glued. The rune golems needed to be glued. And even that, like, I mean, it didn't have to be that way, but they did it to give a little extra detail to the mini. Like, they wanted yeah, sure. to give, like, that nice sculpt, so I like that. But, yeah, I mean, I look forward to painting it. It's going to be cool. Yeah. Like, I'm actually worried about it because I'm going to prime them and start painting, and I'm like, then we can't play it until I finish painting it, so... Well, here's the thing. Like, um... Much akin to Pathfinder, I, you know, I wanted Kim to play it a few times to see if she loves it enough. I dig this game a lot. I, I'm going to be honest. I think the Terranau thing really helps cinch it for me. Yeah, yeah. I want to see, you know, Kim, like, if she starts playing a bit and kind of gets into it, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, we're sharing a copy, but we might have two. <laughs> you know? I know, right? It's like half the time when we share a game, one of us is like, eh, you keep it. This one, we're like, I don't know. We might have to have a the tournament <laughs> yeah I mean plus like I mean I, I ultimately want to have enough fantasy flight products that uh, when my time comes I can have a coffin built out of <laughs> fantasy flight stuff. this funeral yeah. sponsored yeah. by fantasy flight games yeah. <laughs> you know like have a pillow like filled with miniatures you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm almost kind of hoping when they do the first expansion it comes with another board then we can just be like, all right, you keep the undead and the demons. I'll keep the elves and the humans. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying, and that would be awesome too. Like, because you know what's happening. It's just oh, yeah. like, and what's so funny though is you know we're like, oh yeah, you know, come out later this year. Like, I'm already in that. Like, how about now? Like, any? Do they have model scopes? Do they have anything online? How I want it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The game's been out for two months. Like, where's the? <laughs> Why don't you have five expansions yet? <laughs> Get with the program, Fancy Flight. You know, like... Well, they have the scenarios are out, right? Yeah, online. they have a scenario builder online. It's already up. Which again is awesome. Like. Same thing with Pathfinder. They know, like, you can make your own adventures. This thing, make your own scenarios. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it when they give you simple tools to get, like, here's something awesome, but here's even more. Yeah. And since it's, you know, the actual models and miniatures from uh, Rune Wars, then there's no reason why the undead and the elves can't come out with this summer. Oh, they're going to. They they better. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's about the time frame when I'll be like, I like it, but I want to play something different. That's true. Yeah. So now, Kim, you saw me uh, hold up decently. I didn't <laughs> think the Chaos guys did pretty good. I mean, do you have an interest in trying it out now? Like, you think it's something you want to play? I think I would. I wouldn't mind trying it out. It does look fun. Yeah, as long as you go for the victory points. Yeah. Don't worry about the battles. So much. Well, no, yeah. that's what I do. I mean, like, when I play you, games... Kim likes murder. You can win if you like wipe out the other army. Like, yeah. if you just decide you want to just destroy everything, you can win that way. It's just hard, I think. In a 16-point game, though, you might have enough time. Yeah, well, we've been cutting ourselves short. So. Yeah. Well, just because, like, we're so anxious to play another round. It's yeah. like, well, we can do two games if we do 10 points. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's an unmitigated buy. Like, this is just easy. That was the first time I played it. Like, yep. Can I mitigate that? Can you? Is it unmitigated? Unmitigated? Yeah. yeah, he does have resistance to mitigate. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he spent two points after last. <laughs> the one thing that's cool too, a quick side note: I saw uh, Fantasy Flight. They have pre-orders for an extra pack of eight dice. Ooh. Oh, that's cool. Because yeah. multiple times we went over the four, 
any bonuses, you're going to go over the four. Yeah. Especially so, with the four dice unit. So So that's pretty nasty, too. Like, uh, just like, I mean, again, Descent. I picked up that second side, so when I'm running it, you know, I have my set dice in the place. It's cool that you'll have 12 dice. This way, you each keep six in front of you. You don't have to reach across anymore. Yeah. And it's like six bucks or something cheap. Yeah. They have published something, too, about how to expand and do, like, a double board. Mm, but, yeah. like, how to build the points around that. So, because it could, you could totally uneven in a little bit yeah. like all cavalry and two chaos lords like, no. <laughs> <laughs> team face eaters go <laughs> but yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it I mean I'll even let you play the chaos guys I just want to have you play yeah. something so Chris how did you like a, another adventure into the world of Tyranoth it's a nice place to visit. I don't know if I'd live there, but <laughs> especially with all the face eaters, because <laughs> I like my face. It's a little loud in that town, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, what's surprising about this game is when you look at it, and especially since it's a war game, and I haven't been, you know, other than playing some, you know, Risk and other games like that, and Small World and, you know, area control games, I wasn't really looking forward to, you know, real kind of war games so much. I know this is a little bit stripped down, but it actually kind of does so many things right in such an easy, accessible type of way that it might be, I think actually it is, it's probably my favorite two-player game. It just jumps just jumps right at you. It's, it's very fast to play. Once you get through a couple of the little tweaks here and there about how, you know, as Anthony was saying about units and when you pull a unit off, but you're pulling a unit off if you get hit. It's pretty understandable. You have two units there, you have to roll differently, or you have full units. It's it's really all right in front of you. It's not something like you're holding, you know, 35 cards in your hand and trying to manage everything. It's highly, highly um, gamer-friendly. And uh, the lore cards with, you know, the magic spells and things, I think that makes the game for me. I think if it didn't have those lore cards, it would kind of be a little bit too vanilla for me. But actually being able to kind of decide whether you're drawing lore, you're drawing lore cards, and being able to play those at specific times is really interesting. And... Since it's this is kind of like, I don't know, I know it's a more recent game, but it feels like the little brother of Rune Wars, um, which is just really <laughs> such an amazing, incredible game, and you absolutely have to invest the time and money to get that. This is definitely something you should pick up. And for me, you know, at least with two-player games, when you're playing with a gamer group or you're at a game store, you want these games to go quick. And you want to be able to kind of run through it and have a good time and not have to kind of slog down four or five hours in a game because now you're kind of stuck and you want to play with other people so this is a buy you know I, I don't i don't see why you wouldn't with the exception of i really the elves are my team so yeah. i would probably have to wait until the elves come out and then it'd be like all right the elves are here yay <laughs> let's I, play them i get the feeling like by default it'll probably be like the elves have a five range or something yeah i could I, see that. i could see something like that or they're faster yeah, I can't wait to see those uh those like tiger riders that were in yeah the uh, Panthers range. yeah that's gonna be cool because the cards are in the cavalry cards that are in the game now are the Panthers and that's an Elven unit so they have to be they have to be an expansion coming real soon yeah I can see that because that's the actual model why would you have those cards if they were not going to be a play and the same thing with the we were talking about the archer cards those are skeleton archers. The undead's got to be a character. It's oh, got it's got to be in there. No, those four for sure. Like, but yeah. you know, like hopefully we see things like the dwarves. Cause, yeah, because the the card game Rune Age introduced the dwarves and like um, a faction like berserkers. That's great. So I mean, if those additional guys came out, a couple years, yeah. And the other thing too is like, oh, and here's two new units for each side. Oh, it's gonna be like a definitely multi pack. Gonna... You have to do that. That yeah. would be great. Oh yeah. my god. And I think Even if they released it like the Descent Lieutenant packs. Oh, that'd be nice. Oh, that'd be cool. Like, or like new big units. 
Yeah, like you know, like one new big unit, the card for it. Oh, we were talking about the <sighs> about the heroes. Remember, like when you play Rune Wars, the heroes would be yeah. great if yeah. you could draft a hero into your game. And then, like, and now here's another thing. Take for example, um, for Dungeon Run, the original Descent and all that stuff. There was a conversion kit to 2.0. So like, use your Rune War hero guys and your uh, Rune sure. Mount heroes into Descent. They can make a battle lore conversion kit. Hey, use everyone that you can use in Descent in battle lore. Yeah, because why not? Why shouldn't yeah. you be able to use the same minis? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. 20 bucks, you know, those cards, just a conversion card, how much gold they cost, and their stats, done. Or what they do, done. That just, would be fantastic. Just like, just like how they have um, Cyclades and Kemet. Yeah. Where they have that kind of, like, you can use the models in both collections. I love, I love conversion card things like that. Yeah. Like, that was my favorite thing with Descent. That's why I bought Runebound. I'm like, oh wait, and I can use them in descent. Done. <laughs> like I wanted the game, and I was like, oh, if it was ten bucks cheaper. Well, technically, I'm getting ten more heroes for descent, so it's worth it. Yeah. So as soon as yeah, as soon as it, I mean, Fantasy Flight, please get get these expansions out because I think it's going to make it such a dramatically greater I game. I will buy it. I'm need, buying it now. I already bought it. Yeah, I need in, a, in my <laughs> dreams. Right? I need the conversion kit where I can play Gaius in Battle. <laughs> this is going to be one of those games where like we fight over who gets to buy the expansions. <laughs> You well, could. I mean, the Undead one, it's... If you want to get your own suit, go nuts, but it's not <laughs> nuts. I have to, because it's not... Yeah. I almost bought the expansion for Wiz Wars, and I don't even own that game because it has Necromancers. <laughs> like, I don't know That's how to awesome. play it, and I don't have it. Here's $40. <laughs> I'll get it. It's coming. Yeah. <laughs> I have it. Yeah, I mean, uh... All right, so I'm going to say it's safe to say that uh, this is a, you know, a must-buy for us since we already got it, and we have joint custody of this game because it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was definitely pleased with it. I was, I'm like, I love the way it's set up. It's really cool. I like how the terrain works, like that, you know. And the other thing too, I was actually like, I was a little worried that it might shift around a little bit on the board. It stays on pretty solid. Yeah, like it's a nice thick stock, you know. Yeah, yeah. The the tiles are thick stock. The cards are really high quality. The artwork on the lore cards and the and the movement cards are just amazing. It's beautiful artwork. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I definitely think we should pick up some sleeves for the uh, command cards. Sure, because you're going to yeah, play yeah, those yeah, a yeah. lot. Those are the ones home. that you use the most, yeah. Yeah. But other than that, it's good out of the box. I was figuring today, like, when we hit uh, Myriad, pick up two sleeves. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So on a side note about hitting Myriad later, we wanted to do a little quick talk about, like, your local gaming store. Now, you know, like, take, for example, Battle Lord. You're going to go online, you're going to see the game cheaper, and people are always like, oh, I'll just order it online, I'll order it online. But... You know, sometimes people are like, oh, well, why would I ever buy it, you know, for 20 bucks more at this place? Your local game store has a lot of neat features. Like, take, for example, if you were to buy Battle Lore, this game was really quick and easy for us to learn. If you pick up this game in your local store and you break this thing out, people are going to see that board and be like, that looks awesome. They did? Yeah. And just come over. You're going to, like, you know, you'll find players that want to play it with you. And that's something that you can only get in something like this. You know, like the, the great local friendly gaming store. So we just wanted to, like, you know, quick run over a few points of things that we love, you know, things that you can only get in your local areas that, yeah, online might be cheaper and Board Game Arena might be cool, but there's just something to be said about going to the table, meeting some new people, and playing some games. So, Chris, what would you say is, like, one of your favorite things about local gaming areas? Well, I think you already got the first one, which is you, at the game store, you can buy it and play it and get people to play it six seconds into the, you know, pulling off the plastic. Hey, I opened this. Who thinks this is cool? Everybody? Awesome. Now I have people to play with. So, I mean, that's definitely the first and most important part of it. The second, I guess, is for a lot of these games, if you're not a hobby gamer, you may not be aware that there are a lot of promos that go along with these games. And if you are 
you have these acquisition disorders like we do, or you're a completionist like I am, mm -hmm. and you're like, <laughs> what do you mean there's an extra character, but he's not really in play, but he's kind of cool, and he would go with the game, and yeah, and it's, you know, the I gotta have that. And sometimes, just sometimes, you see these on Board Game Geek, and they have a little Board Game Geek store, or you can find them on eBay for usually exorbitant prices to get these promos. Your game store is basically set up with the company to get free copies or, you know, at a very reduced cost for these promos. So if you go into the store and you pick up the game, be sure to ask whoever's behind the counter, are there any promos with this? Because nine times out of ten, they'll just hand you the additional promos for this, and you are going to be so happy to have these extra characters because it really does make your game very unique, and it does expand the possibilities. So promos, great to have. Your store has them. They're going to either give them to you right at the front or put them in as, as part of uh, an organized play event. So definitely one of the reasons why to buy at your local friendly game store. Uh, I would have to say that when I see people breaking out new games, I'd be intrigued. And like I would want to play them. And then when I do, I'll be like, Dan, Dan, we got we to gotta buy this game. It's <laughs> awesome. And, and what's great, like my favorite part is you have so many opportunities to try it out. Like, you can watch videos, and things can look awesome, and then you sure. play it, and it's just like, ugh. Like, you feel like you got to wash that taste out of your mouth. Yeah. One of the great things about the game stores is usually they have a library. So usually they have games that are already opened up and available for you to try out and play. So you don't have to drop 60, 70, 90 bucks on a game, you know, just with the fingers crossed that you're going to like this. You know, be sure to ask if there's a, you know any games that you can just kind of try out. And sometimes store owners will actually open a game for you, so yeah. you can try it, and you know try before you buy. I mean, who doesn't love that? Yeah, and I mean it's like I mean for me like uh, like because two years ago we didn't even know each other. Sure. You know we got a local game store. We started like getting some games together. You're gonna meet people from all different facets. You're gonna meet everything from like the kid that's in high school to the guy that retired eight years ago. You know, people doing all different types of jobs, like, you know, different backgrounds. And it's awesome because, you know, you'll see, it, you know, it's like sometimes it's like, you know, like a UN meeting. It's like people from every <laughs> section of the world and you're all playing Hanabi together, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. Like, I mean, I even like um, I even met Kim playing Magic. It was like at like, you know, a local game shop like Friday Night Magic. That's how we met. Met you guys through Myriad. Like, like half the people I know I met through like random game stores and stuff like that, which is awesome. Because it's just cool, like, you know, like, hey, you know, like, oh, you want to check out this? How about this? Oh, hey, you want to get together next week? Oh, we're going to do something in our place. Oh, let's go out for dinner. And, like, you know, you're going to meet, you already know you have a common interest in these people. It makes it a lot easier, like, especially if you work in crazy hours. Like, I feel like I work more hours than there is in a week at times. Sure. And it's cool being able to, you know, like, you know, you go out, you, like, go to a bar or something. You know that everyone likes to drink. That's not necessarily a pastime, per se. <laughs> at least... <laughs> God, I hope it's not. <laughs> but it's like, you know, Game Shop, you're already going to have that common ground, and you get to, like, feel somebody out. Like, you see how they handle things, how they, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, like, sometimes you have that friend that has an explosive temper you never knew about. Like, if somebody's playing a game, and you're like, oh, I attack, and they're like, you're an idiot, and they smash the table. <laughs> At least you didn't find out by that guy being in your house, and, like, his team loses, you know, in the playoffs and it's, wrecks your furniture. You know? It's, it's a very fight club, right? You, yeah. you only know somebody when you, when you fight them. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you, you do get to learn really interesting kind of things about people's personalities. But, you know, I think we all come from, you know, video gamer kind of backgrounds. So, you know, playing online or playing at arcades, you kind of get to know 
barely people, you know, like, you know their gamer tag or you see someone in an arcade. Board games, miniature games, card games, these are social games. And they're at their best with a group of people. I remember when I first started out with um, hobby board games, I'm like, I was watching the videos, listening to the podcast, and I was like picking up a couple of games and like, oh, these are beautiful and wonderful. And you break them out and you're like, I really need people to play with this. So um, there's no better kind of location than Looker Game Store because if you haven't been to one, now half the time probably they're just selling games. But the other half is the tables in the back. So you can actually sit down and enjoy a game there and kind of like welcome new people into playing and kind of build a little community for it. So it's really a nice atmosphere. And I think as our friend Brian Brian said, um, you know, you make friends. Like Dan was saying too, you make, you know, friends hopefully last a lifetime and you find really cool people to date, you know, who love the same things you love. And that's, that's a rarity, especially in today's world where you're really unconnected. So it's really kind of a place to kind of reconnect with other people in a fun and fascinating way and really, you know, enjoy each other's company. And as Dan was saying, such a diversity, such an enormous diversity. You would think it's like, it's this 18 year old kid and it's not, it's really, it's men, it's women, it's every culture, every age, every background, every orientation, every religion. And games are a really great place, great place to kind of like share your experiences and kind of grow together. Yeah. And then like, I even love it when you see like, um, you know, like people's like their like their you know beliefs and techniques in life, like they reflect in games. Like, uh, like one thing I always got a kick out of is like when you play uh, Caverna or Agricola, you try not to slaughter the animals. Like, you know, like Chris is vegetarian, so like in the game <laughs> he tries not to eat the meat, even though it's not him. You know, he's like, yeah, no one of my people doing that. <laughs> and it, I get a kick out of like how you do that in sure. your games and stuff like that. Like, it's always cool when people do that. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I mean, like, you know, for me, it's like, you know, like, in my RPG backgrounds, I always, like, love Necromancers. So any game that has Necromancers, I'm like, I'll play those first. Oh, they're terrible. You know, there's a rod. These guys are bad. I don't care. I'll lose. Give me, <laughs> give me skeletons, you know. And, like, and one other thing, too, that I actually sometimes love is, um, like, when you play a game or something like that, people have, like, different components. Like, Love Letter, our friend Earl, has these, like, cool little glass red hearts. And, you know, because the game comes with, like, just red cubes. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, where did you get that? And you can actually like find like awesome ways of upgrading your games through cool sites and stuff like that. Um, like with us, we got those gold coins that we used for uh, Game of Thrones and then Lords of Waterdeep. So anytime we play those games, people are always like jumping to get in the game because they want to use those cool metal coins. Like, sure. it's a cool thing. And like you know, you tell somebody sites. Two weeks later, you see somebody coming in shaking a bag. Like, oh man, I got those upgraded chits, or you know, I bought that thing too. And it's really cool because. You know, it's a game you're familiar with, but you get to play it in a unique way with this person. Yeah, and the other part to that, too, is, you know, with these games, they're pretty complex, and then the rules are kind of tricky, but you can literally just stand up and go, hey, anyone ever play this game because, you know, we're not sure about this rule, and then, like, three other people are going to pop up and be like, yeah, this is how you play this. And you're like, wow, that's awesome. That would have that saved me, like, two hours online, <laughs> and, you know, you're going through the text and stuff. Or, like, just watching a video by yourself. Sure. Going, Yay. And it still doesn't answer the question. <laughs> now, I also want to let you know one thing about upgraded components. Chris's birthday was this weekend, which is awesome. Yay! So knowing it's one of your favorite games, now it's going to destroy your perfect boxing system. No! <laughs> but we wanted to give you a little upgraded component thing for oh, Caverna. Because why would you use cardboard for food? I mean, there's... <laughs> it's more cow meeples I'm not going to eat. But I'll eat the corn meeples. Thank you. Which is pretty cool. And we've, we figured, you know, now it's... 
20 meat tokens. <laughs> and now it's an even 50 trees that had to die to make that game. <laughs> yeah, right. We didn't like that odd number. Like, you know, there was a couple of leaves left in the forest. We, we wanted to eliminate that. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, the cows, are you put them instead of the, like the brown, brown cow. cows. Yeah, because the brown cows and the wood always get mixed up. And yeah. yeah, which we like. I saw. So that, now like, you can cool. distinguish between which cows are. <laughs> That's right. Not going to be eaten. Do these wood? Do we burn these or do we herd them? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, all in all, it's like, and one of our favorite things is like we mentioned our coup tournament, the tickets mm-hmm. ride tournaments. Getting organized play at your local areas is great because, like we mentioned before, our friend Nick put together this Mage Wars tournament, where there's standings every week. There's you can win in-store game credit. You can get like additional promos and you're playing against tons of people like Mage Wars is a game I, you know when I first played it I was like alright it's kind of cool whatever kind of enjoyed it now that this tournament's happened I've been like going back through my cards like playing more trying different casters just because so many people are playing it you can like really enjoy your game like sometimes you pick up a game you play it three times a year and you're like ah oh, that happens you know but when you have organized play like Coup we've been seeing people playing Coup for the last two weeks left and right because they're looking forward to the coup tournament. Mm-hmm. So even though it's a simple game, they're like, oh, I want to, you know, I gotta, I want to get used to using this guy or see if I can trick people with this guy. It's great knowing that when you have organized play, you just see that game just start spreading like wildfire. And then like you know when the tournaments come up, everyone's involved with it. Yeah, and there's this these opportunities are everywhere, and these local game stores they're usually not big chain stores, so you might have one in your neighborhood and not even know about it. Yeah. So it's it's a good opportunity to kind of reach out and uh, you know locate the you know the local ones in order to support them because they're also supporting the hobby. So if you really like these games and you want to see them kind of flourish, as as Dan was saying, it may cost a couple of bucks more here and there, but help them out so they can stay in business, they can spread the hobby, and your hobby doesn't become something that's just such a rare thing that you do have to play you know, in your room by yourself. <laughs> and, and the other beauty is this, like, if your local game store doesn't really have something like that set up, the owners, you know, if you have, like, a good owner, he'll work with you for it. He'll be like, all right, cool, let's put up posters, let's note this, we're going to start doing that, let's organize this. And, you know, if it's not there, you can make it happen pretty easy. Sure. And there's, you know, as we've probably said in the past, there are good game stores and there are bad game stores, and usually the difference is the people there. How are they running it? How's the community there? But this is one of these rare situations where you're part of the community and you can turn things around and you can make a positive impact and you can start, you know, meetup groups and you can start podcasts. So, you know, reach out and connect. Now, Dan, if they actually did want to reach out and connect with us, how would they do that? Well, Chris, I'm glad you asked. Are you glad that I asked? <laughs> There's multiple <laughs> venues. For example, you love the podcast. You want to get it updated every time we download, have a new episode for download. You don't want to have to search out. Look for us on iTunes. Subscribe. Don't forget to five stars while you're there. And you should probably write a review. Because, you know, this way we know you care. That's right. And we care that you care. We do. <laughs> Let's say you just like to get little quick updates. You want to know when that episode's coming out or what the next topic is going to be. You can follow us on Twitter, at BGA Podcast. If you're more of a Facebook kind of guy, you can look up on Facebook.com slash BoardGamersAnonymous. Join our group. Give us a like. Feel free to post in there. Hey, you want to talk about your local gaming store stories? We want to hear about it. And obviously, you can always kind of find us at our local family-friendly game store at Myriad Games, Staten Island, New York. And I would say our most dominating presence is on Board Game Geek. Yes! (laughs) We check it out as often as once a week. (laughs) 
But we will check it more if you were there. Yeah, our guild is live and active. Yeah, and we're starting to get more and more involved with Board Game Geek because I'm seeing cooler and cooler things on there all the time. Sure. And, you know, if you guys like it, like, basically the bottom line is no matter how you get in touch with us, we're going to get back to you because we love this hobby. We love hearing from everyone out there. Yeah, we're here for you. So we go through the ridiculous amount of rules and way too expensive games so that you know if they're worth having out there. Yeah, that's the only reason I picked these up. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you tell yourself. Yeah. You keep doing I, it. <laughs> I don't have a disorder at all. It's a, it's a public service. <laughs> we get addicted so you don't have to. Right. So, like, we mentioned our local friendly gaming store, which is where we're about to head to do some games, because I really want to do Battle Lore again. Yes, and I know at least half a dozen people at the store, when we were playing it last week, uh, asked for a slot. So, we got to get it in. All right, so we're going to go and wrap up for this week. Uh, that is everything. This is Anthony. This is Dan. This is Kim. And this is Chris. And until next time, we'll save you a victory point hex at the table. All right, so I'm calling dibs on the demons. <laughs> what? <not> cool, man. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. Just because I choose it every time doesn't mean I'm going to choose it every time. <laughs> yeah, test. <laughs> I played with Chris the first couple times, and he doesn't want to play the demons. I so I'm going to play the humans, and I'm. Oh, that's going to work out great. <laughs> <laughs> but I will play the elves once the elves come out. I'm like, my guys! The elves are your demons. <laughs> well, the only reason I'm using the demons is because the undead isn't out yet. Yeah. But I think I actually have a new plan. I want to do that swarm spell behind me. This way, when I hit you with the retreat, knock you into the swarm. That's, I think that's how to make that work, because otherwise I just go around it. Yeah, that was the point. <laughs> that was my favorite. I put up a swarm wall. Okay, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Still stab you? Well, that was helpful. <laughs>